Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. The session is brought to you by morebeer.com, where every day you can enter to win the beer trip of a lifetime for two to Belgium. Private tours, round trip airfare, and $500 to spend. Enter now at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. Look at a teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. All right, busy show today. We've already had a visit from Homeless John. Chuck. Chuck, Homeless Chuck. Chuck the Martian. Chuck the Martian. You wanted a sandwich. You can see the video of him uh, receiving said sandwich on Twitter. Came in. We haven't seen him since. Uh, oh, did you post the video? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, like I said, I was I was partially protecting you, but partially hoping he would just try to make a move at you. Waiting for him to stab me. Yeah. He came in. He's the same guy who interrupted the show, you might remember, a couple months back. And came in. He's kind of snooping around. We're all up in the studio. So I go down there and it points over at the table and says, can I have one? Hmm. I thought he was. There's a bunch of bottles of water up there. Yeah. I said, hey, "Water, sure." No. That. And he's pointing at our sandwiches. I always get sandwiches for the crew for the show. I said, "You want a sandwich?" Yes. All right, I'll give you a sandwich. So I open the tray. I take one of the, you know they're all cut in sections, and I give him a sandwich. He says, "No, not that one." <laughs> Fuck you then. <laughs> no, no. Here. Who's the beggar? Me or you? Yeah. Not that one. What's going on around here? I don't know. Ridiculous. No, no, you can't touch that. Give this microphone, Nate. What's your name? Chuck. Hi, Chuck. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Chuck Stupid McCoy. <laughs> That's him. That was it? him. Chuck McCoy. He was the real McCoy. So I give him a sandwich. He drops it on the floor. <clears throat> and he looks at me like I'm going to give him another sandwich. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, he dropped it on the floor right there. So he looks at me for a second. I just stare at him back. I don't say anything. You better pick up your sandwich. <laughs> Five-second rule is we got about three seconds left. Yeah. So he picked up all the turkey off the floor. He stuffed it back on the sandwich. And then he, wa- he said, do you have anything I can put it in? So I give him a napkin. I need more napkins. Here's more napkins. You want some mayonnaise? No. Get out of here. <laughs> wow. But the problem is I fed him. Now he's going to be back. Like a straight yeah. cow, yeah. Probably down there. The sa- by the time the first break, all those sandwiches will be gone. Yeah, Sorry, probably, Charlie. We're gonna have to get some mayonnaise. He'll be right back. <laughs> or covered in Hep C. One of the. <laughs> well, he was wearing gloves. Why Filthy, disgusting gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I grabbed the sandwich. I'm not letting him stick his homeless fingers in there. Thanks for that. Mine are probably dirtier. Anyway, now I'm worried that Chuck's gonna come back. You want, to, you want to hear more from him? It gets even better. <laughs> oh, that's what he started. That's He said the same thing on the way out this time. Oh, he started speaking but, Martian. Yes. About JFK. Because I said, yeah. I said ha- now this is where you might have thought I was going to get stabbed. I said, have a nice day. And he goes, what? Uh-oh. What? Irrational. <laughs> so, uh, have a nice day. And he starts in on, uh, all I could understand was JFK. The rest sounded like that. JFK. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> anyway, if we die tonight, folks, yeah. you know what happened. And the video's on Twitter, apparently. Busy show for you tonight. We got Dr. Charles Bamforth back in the studio. Welcome back, Charlie. Nice to be here. It's always great to have you on the show. I've not been to this place before. Oh, that's right. Last time it was uh, in my spare bedroom, I believe. <laughs> With the Harley Davidson in the front door. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It was a Yamaha, I think. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Charlie doesn't know. Yeah, no. Let him think it's a Harley Davidson. At least it's a step up. It's true. He already thinks I'm white trash. At least it was a nice bike. <laughs> yeah, now we have a real studio. All right. Although next time you see us, we won't be here anymore. Well, there you go. It's nice why it's lasted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I, lo- I love the company you keep as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the neighborhood's a step up, is it? <laughs> at least at the old house, you might have felt safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. All right. We got uh, Charlie Banforth in the studio today, and we're going to talk about uh, his new series. The first couple volumes are out, uh, the Practical Guide to Beer Quality series. And we're going to talk today about the edition on foam and the edition on flavor. Uh, so if you've got questions about that, um, 888-401-BEER or hit the chat button on the homepage. Bevo will be here shortly to take your questions and your calls. So if you've got questions about foam or flavor, Charlie's the guy, you know. Charlie makes fun of himself a little bit. His life work, he says it's on bubbles. Yeah. You know, he dumbs it down to bubbles. You know, I spoke on, on, on Friday night at the UC Davis Medical School, a uh, medical system, you know, and I was talking about beer, and I said, you know, they call me the Pope of Foam because <laughs> I've devoted my life to working on bubbles. I mean, you're just working on, you know, health. And, right. Uh, <laughs> and those sorts of things. But, you know, what I'm doing is really critical. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you're like a clown then. Yeah. Cl- clowns yeah. do the same thing, right? That's right. You know, I make people happy, you know? <laughs> right. And blow lots of bubbles. Yeah. Well, see, Charlie does that. He dumbs it down a little bit. But I read right. through this, and I read about his work on, on bubbles, and I can't understand every other word. It's a very <laughs> complex topic. Can you imagine if the book wasn't called Foam, it was called Bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> you might sell a little less, I guess. Yeah, yeah I probably. You know. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, it's sad enough to have a book called Foam, though, isn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah. Whatever. Hey, this is your lot in life. Yeah. It is. You know, and I remember years ago, I went to my first boss in the Berg industry. I said, you know, I don't think I'm fulfilled, really. I'm not doing, you know, life's work. And he said, don't you think it's important to make people happy? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well, bloody shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a good point. Yeah. yeah. So I've stuck at it ever since. All right, so we're talking to Charlie tonight, and uh, we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes, so hang with us. But uh, hit the chat button, get in there now, and you can send your questions on over. And uh, questions about other beer topics, too. I mean, Charlie is the professor of beer, so I'm sure he'd be happy to help if you got questions about uh, the scientific process of beer, uh, certainly stability uh, in beer and things like that. We're here to talk about it with Charlie tonight. We've also got another guest who's going to join us a little bit later, um, Todd Ruggeri who uh, is going to be doing the Connecticut Poor Tour for charity. So you'll learn all about that. It's a pretty cool thing where he's getting to go to uh, apparently every bar in Connecticut, plus every brewery in Connecticut, uh, on a charity tour. And he raised a lot of money the last time he did this. So it's really a good cause. Uh, so we'll find out uh, that about from Todd just a little bit later. Now, Connecticut being my home state, uh, Scott, I was already surprised to see in my notes that there are now th- like 30 breweries in Connecticut? Do you have any idea how many there were when you left? <laughs> like, what, a couple? I really would be guessing. I have no idea. But, yeah, if we're talking, yeah, uh, two. I mean, uh, maybe two. I remember that there was a, when I left, there was a small one that had just started in, in somewhere in, in Hartford. It was terrible, by the way. Hartford. There was one called, um, I forget, I'm sure they're still around, so I'm sure the beer's gotten better, but they had, whatever the brewery was called, they they had a beer named something like Ten Pennies. And the problem with this beer was that it tasted like Ten Pennies. That is the old Burnside Brewing Company with Ten Penny Ale? They're successful, so I'm sure that they've solved this problem, so please forgive me, Ten Pennies people. But I remember going there when I was just getting into beer, and a friend said, oh, you should try our craft beer, and they gave me the Ten Pennies, and I said, well, it's aptly named. (laughs) If Dracula drank beer, this is the beer he would drink. It was uncanny that the two things were so similar, the name and the beer. Well, they probably named the beer after its off flavor. Like, yeah. It's like money. Yeah, I'm sure they've learned a thing or two since then. So yeah. I, I do wish them well. Uh, yeah. but anyhow, it's called 15 cents now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 30 breweries in Connecticut. Maybe I should go back and visit Connecticut. Maybe see what's happening. Catch some basketball while you're there. Yeah. He said there's 169 towns, and he's beering in every single one of them. Wow. Can you imagine every single just even town in the Bay Area? That would scare me. Oh yeah. All right, we're going to have to find out about this. I hope he has a DD. We'll talk about it with Todd a little bit later on in the show. Let me get through some announcements so we can get a move on and, and get to the good stuff with Charlie. Uh, don't forget that the uh, American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee elections are going on now. And there are something like 25 candidates to choose from this time around, which is why we're not interviewing them on the Brewing Network uh, this time. There's just uh, too many people to interview. Uh, but there's a lot of great candidates. Our very own Kim Wood here from the Brewing Network is running. Um, Mike from Society, uh, he's running, and uh, you—I mean, there's really a lot of highly qualified candidates. If you go to homebrewersassociation.org, you can read each candidate statement, and I encourage you to do so. You do have to be a member of the AHA to vote, and if you are a member, it's really something that you should be doing. These are the people that represent you. I'm on the um, governing committee. Charlie, I bet that comes as a surprise to you that they let me on an actual governing body. Well, you know, there's always got to be some oddballs around in right. any organization. Yeah, I'm yeah. the guy that they bring in to, you know, give that off opinion. Yes. Right. Yeah, out of left field. 
so that they know all their other opinions are good. Right. Right. <laughs> Before they bring you in, they're like, okay, guys, That's look, right. we're, we're going to bring him in. Just let him give his ideas. We'll thank him. But no, really, just hold it in. Yeah. And when he leaves, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on with proper business. As soon as another board member starts to feel a little uh, unconfident, a little down on themselves, they bring me in. And it works every time. They come out of there going, shit, I'm running again next term. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Uh, so the AHA Governing Committee, it's, it actually is really important. Uh, they run a lot of the decisions that the Homebrewers Association has to make across the board, and, and we make recommendations. We look out for you. We try to uh, we try to think about what you'd like to see happen to your uh, membership and speak for you. So if you'd like to, to have a voice, the best way to do that is to vote for the candidate you think is most qualified. So go to homebrewersassociation.org right now, and please cast your vote for a Governing Committee um, candidate. If you're not a member, you can become one by clicking the AHA link right on our homepage. Um, Hop Grenade, the tap room is coming soon. Just keeping that out there for you. A little reminder. As of now, we're still looking to open in April. Looks like after the Craft Brewers Conference in April. Um, although these things change all the time. Permits and construction and homeless people getting in the way. It happens. So we'll find out. But we're looking for, you know, mid to late April still opening right there in Toto Santos Plaza in Concord. Go to thehopgrenade.com and you can uh, keep up to date over there. We've got new merchandise in the store all the time. We have Brewing Network onesies in there. You got a ki- you got a lot of grandkids, don't you, Charlie? Uh, growing all the time. Yeah, ah, none of the onesie size. No yeah, problem. yeah, we do, oh. we've got one that's just two weeks old. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, Luke Charles! I might have to send over Ooh. a hop grenade onesie as a. Uh, I, I, that would be yeah. great. Okay, that's right. He, he's happy, Charlie. Beams. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, well they that, all yeah. say assistant brewer on them too. So if oh, he's yeah. around the brew house, then <laughs> yes, there you absolutely go. Absolutely right. <laughs> Definitely cast condition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, go over, just hit the store button on our homepage. There's hats and shirts and uh, our stainless steel growlers that are insulated. Those are up there. All sorts of good stuff. And it's a great way to support us if you're looking for a reason to uh, support us. All right. Amazon, you can do it. To, you can support us through Amazon, too, just by clicking the Amazon link on our homepage. All the shopping that you do gives us a little piece of the action. Do we have an Amazon product of the week? The DJI Phantom Aerial UAV Drone Quadcopter for GoPro. Oh. For uh, five, 500 spots. Someone bought a drone. Really? Yeah. Huh. Drone. <laughs> I think it says uh, Barack Obama, comma, Washington, D.C. <laughs> 500 of them. I feel like I need a drone. For what I purpose? Know. I don't know, but if it's available, <laughs> I should have one. You got sandwiches on them. Also. Yeah, I can yeah. get our sandwiches delivered to the homeless guy. <laughs> there are people, there's a, a brewery, I think, in the Great Lakes region that's trying to initiate beer deliveries to ice fishermen via drone. Wow. And wow. the FAA has shut them down, Come and they're on. actually suing to have that overturned. Uh, yeah. Good. I hope they win. Yeah. What are the ice fishermen going to do without beer? Is that a, it's aviation, having the, the, the drone buzzing in front of you? I no. guess it is. That, that's is, the, is flying a kite regulated by the FAA? Oh, Well, no. it's attached. You can't, you're supposed to keep it within distance, and it, it can't it'd be a certain amount of feet above the ground. And so the FAA shut them down. You need a special permit. But that's what they're trying to overturn is that that it was illegal. What about remote uh, helicopters and planes anyway? That's been around forever. <laughs> that's fine. You've got to keep line of sight with that. No. You, oh. This is unattended uh, oh, uh, flying. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, it's a robotic thing. They're just out there on their own. Yeah. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. You hear that Amazon's trying to do it. Uh, 
to actually deliver packages to your door. Yeah, and in fact, they're saying they want to um, get the drones out ahead of time, like while you're still browsing for the product, yeah. so that by the time you order it, it's like instantaneous <laughs> delivery. I'm all about it. Yeah, if your cart's there. Yeah. They know what I'm going to order. <laughs> Predictive ordering, yeah. Condoms, beer, pretzels, they can, they can predict everything. What's a condom? In fact, you, you shouldn't even have to order it. It's just it's on your doorstep every two days. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have a girlfriend, right? Yeah. Thanks for buying that. Have fun perving out. All right. There you go. Uh, you can watch all this on brewingnetwork.com uh, slash TV. That's our live stream feed, and the show's streaming there live right now. The recording of it will also be there tomorrow. So if you want to see what JP or, or Charlie look like, uh, they look very similar. I don't, uh, know if, I don't know if anybody has noticed that, but they're, they're devilishly handsome. Two peas in a pod, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, you can see all that over on our live stream page, brewingnetwork.com slash TV. Maybe mashed peas. <laughs> subscribe and uh, join the BN Army just by clicking the donate button. Uh, there's a little BN Army dog tag on our homepage, and that's another way to support us. Get all these updates and more over on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, send your show ideas over to Scott the Jew. That's Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. And send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Do we have a Twitter game today? We do have a Twitter game. Our Twitter game is brought to you today by John over at Beer Law Center. He's our trademark guy. He's the one out there looking after the hop grenade. And believe me, do we need it. I got sent a whole brewery from uh, Germany today that's using the hop grenade. Really? They've built their whole brewery around the hop grenade. You think the Germans so would original. be a little more sensitive to yeah. very violent enough imagery? With, enough with the militarism, right? <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that'll be my angle to get them to stop. <laughs> and you like, wonder, hey, guys, we've already got a bad impression of you. <laughs> See, that's why the NSA is tapping on their like phones. Japan. <laughs> you, know? you can't trust the Germans. Uh, but I'm, I, I sleep easy at night knowing that John is looking after our hop grenade, and he's really done a great job for us. He's a beer guy who got into law and specifically got into trademark law, and he does a really good job at it. Mm-hmm. You can go over to beer lawcenter.com and look it up for yourself but i highly recommend john he does great work he's a nice guy and he understands the plight of the beer guy so go check him out beerlawcenter.com what's our twitter game uh well there's a a, a plethora of lawsuits in the beer world the past couple of years as john can attest to uh and we finally want to get in on some of that action but we have really nobody to take action against you know some of these people that we have these trademark disputes with they back down or, or whatever uh so we want to sue somebody i see so who can we sue and why? Who, Let us build a case for us because who, we're dumb. Who can the Brewing Network sue? Correct. And why? Yes. All right. I like it. That's our Twitter game today. Send it to our Twitter a Twitter Twitter handle, Brewing Network. Uh, you can also find uh, the Beer Law Center on Facebook and Twitter. Post a lot of news and stuff. So Oh, they're over there, too. Oh, yeah. I love it. Do you? I do love it. Shit. All right. Let's do a little bit of feedback. Feedback's brought to you today by Adventures in Homebrewing. Go to homebrewing.org, a great homebrew supply shop. You can order your hop rhizomes there now. Free shipping on 24 of the best recipes that they have. Uh, homebrew beginner kits, you name it. Everything you need uh, to get started brewing. Ooh, I see some nice Perlick stainless steel tap handles on their pa- or tap uh, faucets right here, which I need to upgrade my kegerator with some Perlix. Those are the ones that are like forward sealing, right? Yes, sir. So they don't stick after uh, uh, a week of not pouring a beer. Yeah, I need some of those. Go over to homebrewing.org and visit our friends at Adventures in Homebrewing. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. All right, in the feedback this week, hey, Justin and crew, a few shows back, I heard someone say that you wouldn't be attending the National Homebrewers Conference this year due to the Hop Grenade opening up. 
Then last week, you said you hope to open in April. So can you please clarify your plans, if any, for this year's NHC? I only ask because it'll be my first time uh, going, assuming I uh, get tickets. And I was hoping to go to the anniversary party, plus get to meet you guys. Uh, we are going to NHC. If I if I said that, I was either extremely drunk or you're mistaken. I did not. We always go to the National Homebrewers Conference, and uh, this year is no exception. It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This year, uh, registration is happening now. By the way, isn't it tasty? Yes, it's go, open right now. Yeah, you got to go get in on registration now if you want to go. It will sell out. It's sold out uh, for the last couple of years now. Uh, they do have more capacity than ever, but still, uh, do it now. We will be there. We're also working on uh, our anniversary party as we speak. We're trying to nail down a location, so that will also happen. Uh, it usually happens on the Wednesday night before the conference. We get you all hung over, and then the conference starts on Thursday. So don't worry about it. Uh, that's from Chris. We will be there, so get your ticket and expect to see us. Probably even JP. Yes, I will definitely be there. Absolutely. Yep. You kidding me? What, what I missed the chance to go to a place like Grand Rapids? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of poutine to eat. Oh, I like poutine. Seems Why? He's such a tyrant. <laughs> not, that, not that one. Oh. No. All right, Mike writes in, uh, hey, Justice, Scott, JP, and the rest of the crew, uh, I have to admit, I was thoroughly misled when I did not receive my invitation to speak on the session as a candidate for the AHA Governing Committee in this year's election. After listening to your recent episodes, however, I realized immediately that there's much more important and pressing beer content that you need to cover. I mean, who wants to listen to 25 extremely qualified, passionate, and dedicated AHA Governing Committee candidates uh, give an interview when you can talk about the Red Eye Olympics or Bevo's Anatomy or the linguistics behind the pronunciation of L's and R's among Asians? Very important. Well, at least he understands. That's right. Who wants to listen to you? That's right. He's got a blowhards. Got a great point. Yeah, we got important topics to discuss here. On the same page as us. So that's that's Mike who is running. I think that's Mike Sardina. Is that his last yep. name? Um, oh yeah, the guy from Society. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's his opinion. And finally, our last <laughs> feedback: our spam of the week. Um, it starts with a good day. God spoke to me in spirit to share this with you. Please kindly sympathizes with my current situation to assist execute this noble project. <laughs> I like it so far. Clearly a Google Translate number. Yeah. Um, my name is Isabella Caramel. I escaped tsunami disaster some time ago, which affected my spinal cord, my eardrum, and claimed my entire family. <laughs> Why do I always laugh at the disaster part? Because it, bu- it, it they starts out, out pretty terrible, and then it just builds, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly... It, uh, it should have ended with eardrum. That would have been funnier. If it would have gone... It uh, it affected my spinal cord, claimed my whole family, and hurt my eardrum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, why leave that out? You're right. It ruined my permanent. Uh, let's see. It might shock you to know I was eventually disabled as a result <laughs> of catastrophe that struck me. Shocking. I'm shocked. I didn't see yeah. it coming. Uh, perhaps now I'm on a wheelchair. Neither did she. After right. all form of treatment and to no avail. Well, is she or is she not in a wheelchair? Perhaps. <laughs> uh, because of my present condition, I finally decided to give a better life to the poor in the society. Ah. ah. Here's where we get our dues. Mm-hmm. Right? All, all tragedies lead to altruism. Right. It is my legacy to build charity organizations for the less privileged, since my health has finally confirmed deteriorated. Uh, I need your candid, voluntary support to execute the project to make this dream a reality. 
I have decided to invest 10.6 million U.S. dollars <laughs> to what? help the less privileged. Point <laughs> six went up point five or eleven. She needed the other point four <laughs> for her, perhaps for her wheelchair, her robot legs. <laughs> Uh, therefore, you are chosen from my heart to help receive the funds where it was kept secretly to build charity organizations for the less privileged to have some better life. Was her heart kept secretly or the 10.6 mil? I don't know. Sentence structure. You got to be careful. Please, I will appreciate if you can indicate interest to help actualize this last dream. Please email me at caromelm.yahoo.com.hk without delay as I need to hear from you soon. Remain blessed, Mrs. Isabella Caramel. It's assuming we are blessed. Yeah, clearly she's never met most of the people in this room. Well, JP, as usual, yeah. I say respond to her <laughs> and see if we can help her uh, you know, guide through her, her dream. What's up, Caramel? What's up, girl? <laughs> What's up with that point four mil? Yeah, tabs up for us. <laughs> Where's the rest? She's kind of hard of hearing, so use all caps. <laughs> yeah, definitely type in caps, JP. She has a bad eardrum. All right, that's your feedback for this week. All right, as I said, we got a busy show for you today. We got uh, Charlie Bamforth in the studio. We've got Todd talking about his beer tour in Connecticut, so we're going to get to it. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about foam and flavor, the new product out of the giant brain of Charlie Bamforth. Don't you mean bubbles? Uh, bubbles. Bubbles and flavor. <laughs> Otherwise, no. We should just change Charlie's name to Bubbles. How's my uh, grandma's name, you know? Hey, Bubbles. You kind of look like her. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Good nickname. I should wear a pink shirt for that. <laughs> All right, 888-401-BEER. Just hit the chat room uh, uh, button on the homepage, and uh, you can ask questions. We'll be right back. Hang in there. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. 
John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Session. Brewing up 
our next batch of Radio Gold. Right now. All right, welcome back to the program, and thank you for sticking with us. I want to let you know real quick about a great sponsor of ours, ThatBreweryGame.com. You remember me talking about these guys, right, JP? I do, yeah. ThatBreweryGame.com, I mentioned that they were about to celebrate, well, they are celebrating for this month that someone is about to brew their one millionth virtual beer. Oh, that's right, yeah. It happened as of yesterday. Wow. That's right. They're celebrating their anniversary, and somebody brewed their one millionth virtual beer over at ThatBreweryGame.com. So they're celebrating their anniversary. It's an online completely dedicated, online game completely dedicated to brewing beer. Uh, Brewers love the game. Uh, And as of this, as I said, as of this week, they've uh, brewed a million virtual beers. So Rob, the guy who created the game, has been telling me about it. He's telling me uh, about what he calls the game's brewing engine. All right, so it's actually a smart game. It it, it learns what you do. Yeah. In other words, uh, it's a computer code that takes the decisions made by the player and turns them into virtual beer. Uh, it's kind of a, a computer model of the brewing process. So it kind of goes like this: a, a brewer builds a grain bill and a recipe using brewing ingredients that are unlocked as you play the game. Then, in the mash tun, the player adds heat to raise the temperature of the wort and mm. convert the starches. Mashing includes resting periods to allow different enzymes to uh, work the wort and increase sugar content. The brewer tracks their progress uh, progress using in-game thermometers and a hydrometer. So it's really just like you're uh, brewing physically. Uh, the wort's laudered um, and sparged and moved to the kettle. Uh, where hops can be added at various stages uh, to change the character of the beer. Yeast is added after cooling and the fermentation process starts, and the player has a choice of racking the beer halfway through fermentation uh, and can even bottle condition using various primers. The game engine handles all of this, basically, and keeps track of the player's decision so that the result is a beer quality score, which is a rough estimate of how well the player brewed to match the particular uh, beer style being made. So... You can see how it's it's it actually is a game, and it, it kind of monitors your progress and, and gives you a score, and that's how you decide if you brewed well or not. Yeah. I have that's a feeling cool. that I could, maybe this could finally be the way for me to make a successful batch of beer. Well, like like most uh, 16-year-old, you know, uh, spotty-faced kids these days, you can, you, can get, you can do things virtually that you can't do otherwise, like right. get a girlfriend virtually online yes. uh, instead of studying for homework. So you could probably uh, brew a virtual beer... No one would ever have to drink it. <laughs> There's no contamination. There's no nothing. And they would be great for well, you. Maybe there would be contamination if you don't do it right. You would be the only person to <laughs> contaminate a virtual beer. What if during the Brewcaster Challenge, you brewed your sports beer, and oh. alongside you used that brewery game and brewed a virtual sports beer, cause, and then one you would have one actual good product at the end, you know. Maybe. The maybe. one you made in the game. My problem with your suggestion is, what if I failed at both? That would just be <laughs> too much for me to take. I can't... Well, uh, you could take a leap off the... Railing into the muddy right depths over, of yeah. the Martinez Creek. All right, go check it out over at thatbrewerygame.com. It sounds like a lot of fun, and Rob's a good guy over there supporting the Brewing Network for quite some time. Check it out, thatbrewerygame.com. All right, as I mentioned, we have Dr. Bamforth in the studio. We like to call him Charlie, whether he likes it or not. No, I like that. Good. I noticed the guy who stole the sandwiches was called Chuck. Just just don't call me Chuck. <laughs> yeah, right. That, is a, that has a negative connotation in our yeah, world. Yeah. yeah. Right, Charlie will work. Yeah. Even, you're going to sandwich anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Even Bubbles will be better than Chuck, it I would. think. At this well, no I'm, no, I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> right. <laughs> so... You have a series of, of books that's coming out, and, and the first two volumes are 
are available now. Is that right? They are, and uh, they're published by the American Society of Brewing Chemists. So if you go to the American Society of Brewing Chemists website and go to the store, you can buy them. And the first one's on foam, and the second one's on, on flavor. And they're, they're troubleshooting guides, basically. They're uh, like, a bit like a car manual, you know. It'll tell you all about what's what and where's where. But at the end of the, end of the book, it leads you through how to sort out your problems if you've got a problem. And it's clearly breaking it down into the various parts that you, that you might find. Uh, rather than, in other words, rather than one large textbook where you had to yeah. cover all of these things, these are more these sort of shorter manuals on a specific problem. Yeah, I mean, the cynic would say I got six books there and six lots of royalties, but um, uh, <laughs> right. and of course that's not the way it is at all. But you know, but, so each one is is focused on a specific aspect of of quality, and I talk about what the basis of it is and why it's important and what the in a fairly gentle way what the underpinning science is okay and then um how the process and raw materials and process and so on influence that quality thing and how to sort out the problems was this series your idea based on your experience with students that that they needed more of a breakdown than a textbook um, it, it was certainly my idea, but not so much based on students, but based on what I perceive the need is in, in the um, the industry. You know, having come out of the industry in the UK and having been a quality manager, I know full well that uh, from time to time things would go wrong. Yeah. And um, and the, the first thing that happens is everybody panics, you know, and you change everything in sight and suddenly the problem goes away. And you think, well, wh- what the hell happened, you know? And so really it's... Uh, for all the different things that can uh, conceivably go wrong, how do you approach it in a logical and systematic way to make sure you get the very best? Okay. And, you know, while I say they're sort of short, uh, and you you call them kind of manuals too, that by no means means that they're not actually very in-depth and very descriptive. I mean, even thumbing through a little bit of foam, uh, we're talking about some very in-depth coverage of of what, uh, about foam and retention and... Yeah. Well, I would like to think that if you buy that book and you read that book uh you're pretty well uh understanding all the ins and outs of, of bubbles uh, on beer and and how to uh, achieve good foam stability and what can go wrong so uh yeah I'm, I, the, there is some there's a lot of science in there but hopefully it's in a fairly reader friendly uh way it's not heavy duty uh, science you don't need a phd to uh, understand it i hope no i don't think so you do have to have I, I would say you do have to have some basic understanding of science you might need to know what polypeptides are you might need to have a basic understanding of proteins and things like this because yeah. you're not dumbing it down so far that every time you mention a scientific term you then go off on defining that for us correct correct yeah. so i mean uh, the starting point is you, you you know a bit about beer and you know uh, something about brewing science and then this builds on that. So, uh, you know, you, you know, it won't be the first book you should ever read. But uh, if you're a brewer, uh, whether it's a home brewer or a, a, pro- a professional brewer, um, it should be the book you turn to uh, to lead you through yeah. han- handling problems. In fact, I would say even a very uh, novice home brewer, if you've brewed several batches and you find that you're having trouble with head retention, for example, I think you'd already be geared up to read foam. Yeah, uh, and it would give you an understanding of the different parts of the brewing process that you might be uh, kind of messing up. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, it, it's something that actually is—it's uh, it, not uh, the 
well, how can I say this? We've actually found something that's actually, we've got a different conclusion now to what's in the book. Oh, is that right? So, so you know, some things uh, are not uh, necessarily tablets of stone. Okay. At the, at the 95% level, I, uh, I'm very uh, comfortable with everything we say in there. But we've actually changed our opinion about one thing since uh, since that book was published. Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, if you like. What uh, is the one thing? Well, I hate uh, books. <laughs> <laughs> Should have never done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, we we actually, I mean, the receive wisdom is if you want to uh, improve and get and develop a beer that's got a really good foam, the one of the tricks you can play is put some um, some of the specialty malts in there, some of the caramel malts and so on. And the receive wisdom is these caramel malts actually boost the foam. Actually, we found for a lot of these quite the opposite. And we've actually found some, some materials in some of the caramel malts, not all of them, but some of them, and I'm not going to name names and brands. Brands, okay. Um, but for some of them, there's very much some material which actually screws the foam uh, and, and damages it significantly. And I'll tell you, we, we, there's a professional brewer that I can't name, but he's, he's listened to this and he's taken away one of these products from his brews. And now he's actually getting too much foaming in his fermenters. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a two-edged sword, you know. He's so, so, so he's taken away that. He's got more, more foam in the fermenter. Wow. Um, because this foam-negative material was, uh, was holding it in there, you know. Um, but so we, we did a lot of work on this. We've identified it's a, it's a, um, I mean, as all your readers will know, it's an oxidized, unsaturated fatty acid, uh, of course. Um, of course. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely no. right. Nate, I mean, Nate's the only one going, oh, yeah. I know, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Nate actually knew. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's there, and, and it gives pink spots on plates. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, when we've done the, the, the pilot brews in our uh, nice uh, brewery there at, uh, at UC Davis, uh, the finished beer, when you use these materials, the foam is not as good. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it's not as good. Uh, so wait, what was the... What was the premise that we thought before that these uh, caramel type malts would add more proteins to the to the brew? Well, I'll tell you how it started, and it, and it's amazing how you do some research and your whole you know the whole basis of the research changes. So I had this student, and we were talking, and I said, you know, there's a guy called Bishop years ago, and he said, when you when you heat malt, when you kill the malt, uh, there's the proteins and there's the carbohydrates, they stick together. And, and they give really good foam-stabilizing materials. So the rationale was, well, if you really heat really strongly, you'll get more of these foam-positive materials. And sure, if you get black malt, it is. It's fabulous. But some of these stuff that was strongly heated but was halfway there, you know, the caramels and these sorts of malt, they actually contain increased levels of foam-negative materials. So any foam that you've got, if you've got a beer... The, the, the quality of the foam, the stability, is a balance between positives and negatives. Okay. And so you've got positive material in these materials, but it just happens that the, egg, ne- the negatives outweigh it, you know? What are the negatives? Like lipids, fats? Lipids. Ox- oxidized oh. lipids, yeah. Okay. And they seem to be produced during this, uh, this stewing stage okay. that you get when you make some of these caramel malts. Now, we've screened, uh, oh, I don't know, 20 or so of these caramel malts. Most of them are foam negative. Wow. Most of them are form negative. So are you finding that uh, higher kilned or higher Lovabond crystal type malts have more of this, or is that not a factor? No, it's not as simple as that. Uh, we <laughs> actually found that actually some of the, the less Lovabond uh, caramels uh, were actually crystal malts were actually uh, more form negative. Now, black malt, superb form stability. Okay. But, you know, you, you, 
you know, it's not a lot you can do if you want to actually improve the foam stability of a very pale beer. You know, <laughs> it's not helping anybody. And you, and you don't want something that tastes like licking out an old ashtray, you know. I mean, it's not a solution. Okay. Um, but there you see, and um, there are some negative materials in that, but it's, it, it's uh, overwhelmed by the foam positives. Okay. So when you heat strongly, yeah, it's probably right. These proteins and, and carbohydrates do stick together. But uh, at the intermediate level, you actually uh, get more of the negative materials. Okay. So the book, I think, if I remember rightly, says, you know, uh, one of the things you can do to actually boost the foam is put in some caramel malt. I'm now saying, don't do that. Wow. Don't do that. But this is science, isn't it? You couldn't write a book that's going to stay tried and true forever. Things get learned like this all of the time. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, the story does change. Yeah. And, and for some people, they're not prepared to accept uh, this change. And sure. They stick to dogma, and they read something. And um, yeah, this would be a perfect time for you to re- to to <laughs> deny this evidence, Charlie. <laughs> I, I know. No, but I, you're not doing that. No, I'm not, because <laughs> I'm an honest and I'm a, and I'm a, yeah. and a sweet and innocent guy that <laughs> right. actually. Um, you know, I'm, I'm searching, searching for the truth. Yeah. And the truth is that, you know, uh, for some things, if you delve deep into them, you know, um, it's not quite the way it seems. Yeah. Um, and it, it's only since really going into this through, with actually two master students uh, that we've actually ground the dust really fine on this. And there's, there's, no, there's no getting away from it. It is a fact. Okay. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, yeah. It's sad, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now... I, I want people to buy the book, so, so I, do I. I'm not, I don't do. want you to give away everything. But but what are some things that contribute to better head retention and better foam? Well, obviously, uh, it, it's very much influenced by the raw materials. So the more protein you've got in the, the raw materials, basically, the better it is. So uh, if you've got, you know, 30%, 40% corn or sugar, uh, it's going to dilute out all that protein. Okay. Uh, the more bitterness you have... Uh, the better the foam stability is going to be. Really? Yeah. Uh, so foam, uh, the bitter substances are very foam stabilizing. Of course, the reality is, I mean, you, these are things you can't change because it'll, if you're not careful, you'll, it'll take you away from the recipe for the product. But if you want to design a new beer for really good foam stability, then a lot of pale malt, um, a lot of uh, actually wheat malt, wheat, uh, the proteins from wheat, molecule for molecule, are better than the ones from barley. So it's it's been known for years that a little bit of wheat uh, certainly helps improve foam stability. Okay. And, and the bitterness, uh, high levels of bitterness um, will give you a lot more uh, foam stability. And, of course, this beautiful uh, lacing, the cathedral windows of foam lacing. That's, an, that's part of, the, of bitterness? Uh, yeah, stability. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what I always say is, you know, um, you know, what you got, it's all in the pore, really. I mean, the physics is very, very important. So the first thing is nice, clean glass. Okay. Uh, and then the physics of the pore, so a big, vigorous pore. You know, pore with vigor, that's, that's a bit of a trademark name. I was up in Mount Shasta City not long ago. I was going up to Ashland to the Shakespeare, and, and we stopped at Mount Shasta. And, and I'm having a cup of coffee, and I went out to the men's room. I'm stood outside, and this guy walked past, and he looked at me, and he said, pore with vigor. Oh, yeah. I, said, I said, what, at my age? And he said... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He said, I'm talking about the beer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so it's nice, you know. So, yeah. Uh, it's nice to have a fun club out there. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, so you pour with vigor to allow the bubbles to release. And then, of course, uh, you um, you admire the foam. And you don't just start drinking. You, you let it settle a while for a minute or two. And you get it. It solidifies. And that's because the proteins and the bitter 
materials are sticking together. And when you sip the beer, only from one side of the glass, you don't keep turning it around, you sip it from one side of the glass, you get these rings of, of foam. Okay. Um, but it's got to be a clean glass. Sure. That's always helpful. Absolutely. And, don't and it, the Germans understand this pour with vigor process better than your countrymen? Yeah, well, it, it depends where you are okay. in, in my country. You know, where, where your charming young lady comes from, down yeah. south, they don't tend to have very good foams on the beer. Okay. But the further north you go... Uh, uh, will be tied if you don't have uh, uh, good foam. So in Yorkshire, for example, you have uh, pint glasses that are oversized. So you have a line on them that marks the imperial pint. All right. And then you have space on top for the foam. And when I was a QA manager in the north of England, the first thing that people would complain about was the bubbles. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and they weren't mincing, you know, bloody rubbish, beer's bloody rubbish, you know, and it's because you ain't got a foam on it. I see. Um, and usually it wasn't anything to do with the brewery, it was all to do with the, uh, the bar. So, in my experience, uh, 99% of problems are with dirty glasses or glasses that have got residual detergent on them or, or, okay. or something like that. Just destroy foam instantly. Yeah. Things like and, detergents. And, and, and so, it, it, it's just a killer. And, you know, and, and, and the facial hair, just, you know. I <laughs> just mean, the oil in my facial hair? Christ, it's hideous. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, I thought we were talking about the foam. No, no, well, we are. But it's, oh. I mean, you don't start a chance, I mean. <laughs> um, no, his, cl- this- his cholesterol is so huge because the oil... <laughs> Produced drips into his mouth and then he drinks. Well, I'm it. surrounded by. Look at this, this, yeah. all these monstrous, monstrous growths. And uh, and all brewers too. But you're saying that we're affecting our head retention. Well, you've got great globules of grease <laughs> you know, swinging on the bloody whiskey you know, and dripping in the foam and killing the foam. Yeah, I had a guy in my um, a class. I I do these uh, one week classes. Uh, plug go to go to my website and look up the one week classes. What's your website? Uh, God, I can't remember the name, but look, look up Bamforth and beer, <laughs> you'll there. get there. Okay. Um, and uh, this guy was from Austin, Texas, and he looked like something like the British Navy. I mean, and like an admiral. This this big growth. This you know, and I, I victimized him. And next day, gone, absolutely, totally gone. And I said, uh, "Whoops!" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah." He said, "I've been married <laughs> fifteen years, and my wife has never seen me without." facial <laughs> so a week later he wrote to me and he said dear charlie he said um my wife's not talking to me uh my children aren't absolutely sure who i am right uh but the foam is fantastic priority so I, i'm not sure i talk about whiskers in the book but you know it's 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 taken as a, as a red you know what an you excellent know. point you make yeah too. and lipstick do you ever wear lipstick? Uh, not usually. No. I mean, not when you're around. Really I don't need breaking. to give you another thing to make fun of me for, Charlie. So I, <laughs> I keep makeup remover under the desk. Yeah, of course. Well, I'll kill it as well. Don't yeah. lie. <laughs> Bevo made it to the studio. You should just get it all tattooed on. That way it doesn't come off. <laughs> That's true. It's fine. Hit the chat button on the homepage if you have questions. Bevo's in there to take them. Uh, you can ask Charlie about foam and stability and, and how we get this uh, in the beer. I have a question about foam and, and, and Charlie, and what you said about the the crystal some crystal malts. Right. Um, if you want those kind of flavors in your beer, and you, but you don't want to affect your head retention, what do you do? Just boil a little bit longer, or no? It's it's it it's a complex situation. You need to be um, uh, on a trial and error basis. Look at a few of these malts and see which ones work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, these they, these are are. Um, uh, lipids, so they're fairly water insoluble. So it may be uh, that uh, 
you know, a fil- at the filtration stage, you uh, you should hopefully be removing some of these things as mm. well. So, uh, it you know, it's it's hard. Again, it's a balance, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, I think what you've got to make sure, you've got an excess of foam positives. So, um, uh, and that, that arises from making sure you've got uh, sufficient, you know, the right pale malts and so perhaps a bit of wheat malt as well in there as well. Um, but really, it's the best thing is to try and avoid some of these uh, products. But again, it's it's a product by product basis, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll uh, interest a few of the producers of these things uh, to work with them to actually uh, find ways of, uh, of perfecting the process such that we avoid this uh, this uh, production of negative materials. Well, so, once word gets out, I imagine you will influence some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm uh, I'm hopeful that uh, w- the, the story will unfold and, and yeah. we'll eliminate this as a as a problem. Does so, the condition of those malts matter in terms of the? They don't taste good as they get older, that's for sure. But it, does that seem to be a factor? In we haven't looked at that. We, we, okay. We've been looking at new new malts of this type uh, and. Um, uh, you know, any malt has got some negative material in it. Right. Um, uh, and and I, I didn't used to believe it, actually. I used, I used to think that, uh, you know, the, the real negatives are the ones that, uh, and the only negative lipids are the ones that are introduced downstream. Um, that's not true. They, they, they are introduced upstream. And wherever you get oxidation of lipids taking place, uh, that does lead to, to uh, damage to the beer foam. Okay. Well, Charlie, from a recipe development standpoint, uh, so I'm saying I'm making like a standard uh, pale ale, and it's five percent uh, carapels and five percent uh, like a crystal forty or something like to get a little bit of color in it. Right. What uh, could I offset that with, say, another five percent of wheat? Yeah, and that would. That, what do you that, think about the positives and negatives in that beer? Well, that would certainly help. You know, again, let me emphasize that what you've got is a balance between positives and, right. and negatives. Mm-hmm. So, if you've got a relatively low bitterness beer. Um, and uh, perhaps you've got some uh, grist materials that are not contributing much in the way of uh, foam positives, mm-hmm. um, and, and also uh, uh, other things going on further downstream. For example, um, what you, one of the big enemies of, of beer, and a lot of people don't realize this, is, uh, is old yeast. Ah. Um, the longer you use a yeast for, the more uh, generations of the yeast, the more stressed it becomes. And uh, the more damaging it is to the to the bubbles, um, and and particularly if you're you, if you're going to higher gravities, gra- higher uh, strengths uh, of fermentation, higher uh, 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 original extract values, and you're stressing the yeast, then the yeast responds by making an enzyme that chops up the proteins, mm. and so that damages the foam. So really, it's it's a you know, people say to me, well, I got I got I got crystal malt, and I I got perfectly decent. Uh, foams. Well, yeah, because you've got a lot of protein in there and you've got a lot of bitterness and all those are foam positives. But if you've got, I don't know, a, a product, I mean, you know, probably not many people listening to this show are, are terribly keen on products that are sort of 50% malt and 50% sugar and, mm-hmm. and bitterness of about two. Um, you know, they're not going to have desperately good bubbles yeah. uh, because they're short on foam positives and they've got all these negative stresses on the yeast and so on. So it's a balance between all these things. Okay. Um, and, uh, I mean, the book will tell you all that. Sure. Are yeah. there a, a lot of breweries that use the same yeast for, for many, many generations? Yeah. How, how are they in my counteracting hometown. that? Well, 
I mean, they're not. Uh, my uh, closest friend in the industry is, is a guy called Graham Stewart, and he did a lot of work on, on high-gravity brewing, brewing at high gravities. And if you do that, the foam is never as good. Mm. Never as good. And if you're, if you're taking yeast from generation to generation to generation, um, it's getting more and more senile. And the, the last thing in the world you want for, for a, a good beer, yeah. from any perspective, whether it's bubbles or whatever it is, uh, is senile yeast. Um, so the reality is that, yeah, I mean, backslopping of yeast has been going on in some companies for a long time. And it, all I'm saying is it, it ain't doing the bubbles any good. Mm. You know, Charlie, one day you're going to come in here for an interview and, and your senility will have begun. <laughs> and I'm going to have to say to you, hey, Charlie, you ain't doing the bubbles any good anymore. No, no. And, and, and that's <laughs> true. But, you know, the good news about beer is that, I mean, there's good evidence that it actually counters late, uh, uh, you know, dementia. Okay. And so I'm looking forward to that. Good. When I, when I get old. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. being protected. Good. In that way. At that point, though, you're going to have to wonder if he's saying it ain't doing the bubbles no good. Is he's talking to the third person? <laughs> right. Or that's true. <laughs> you guys want to do uh, the first question from uh, Does Professor Bubbles know? Yes. So if it's about kitties, then yes. We thought we'd have a little fun. Uh, this is this is more about us uh, guessing what we think Charlie knows than Ooh. what it is about what Charlie knows. And we put together just a little bit of trivia. We'll ask Charlie the question, and before he answers, did you record it? Oh yeah, it's pre-recorded. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll well you, we've played this game before in the form of stump the stoner. But this time it's it's stump the scientist really. Um, so we'll get the question and then we'll go around the room and we're basically guessing if we think Charlie knows the answer or not. Uh, what does DCI stand for? Hmm. Does anybody else know what DCI stands for in beer in the room? Uh, Nate's shaking his head. Wow. Nate doesn't know. Then uh, nobody knows. Uh, that's why I started over here at Nate because I knew that no one else is going to. Uh, Charlie knows this. He knows it. Because he's got to know it. Because he's got to. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he knows it. Uh, Do we get to know where you got this question from? Yeah. Uh, This one was from the Pro Brewer Forums. Oh, okay. So you just took it out of a forum. The only way Charlie doesn't know it is if it's not a common acronym, if it's not a common descriptor. Like, it's just some random... You know how sometimes people just start shortening things on the internet? But if it's a real, if DCI is a real thing, he knows it. Well, I'll tell you what the answer is. And if ever, if you guys are like, oh, we've heard that term, okay. then that's probably true. The answer is dichloroindophenol. Oh, he knows it. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no matter what I said, you would have said that. I'm going to say he, we, we can do this now, right? Yeah. I'm going to say he doesn't know it because the acronym will throw him. Who's going to, uh, going to keep score for this game? Because we got a few questions I can throughout do it. I'm the, doing uh, the audio. Someone else I do can it. do it. All right. Keep score. Well, first of all, lose the attitude, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. sorry. I'm sorry, joke. man. All right, I say, I say he knows it. JP says he does not know it. Tasty? I believe he'll know it. Uh, Nate? I think I'll know it, but he may not be happy with the acronym. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Charlie. If you don't know it, you're going to really mess with our heads for the rest of the game. Because it will change everything. <laughs> Wait, Tasty, you said yes? Yeah, I did say yes. Nate, you said yes? Yeah. Yep. Everyone says, did you know the term, Nate, once I said it? No. No, huh? Nope. And you're still guessing yes? Wow, they have a lot of faith in you, Professor. Beaver, you want to guess on this I kid? do. I think he's real smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Sweetie. Beaver says he's in, too. Okay, let's hear the answer. Well, the one, what I would say was his dichloroindophenol. Yeah! Yes! Oh. Attaboy, Charlie. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I pointed out that no, it's not the acronym that we use. I mean, and, oh, it's not. No, I, I mean, told you. I, I did my PhD using this bloody stuff. Okay, and it's DCPIP, so ah. dichlorophenol endorphino. So I did my whole PhD back in nineteen seventy-three to seventy-six. Who would have guessed? I say Isn't real it? smart. See, that's even better because not only did you know it, but you know what the knucklehead acronym yep. is. <laughs> it, it used to be using something called the indicated time test, and it's a it's a method for measuring oxidation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's used all the time now. In not anymore. Oh, it's not. No. Ah. No, no, no. How do we Ma. measure oxidation now? Oh, well, we have oxygen electrodes, and we have okay. redox probes, and we have one or two other things. You're clearly it? out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm right. actually ashamed of you. Well, we got a few more, though, so let me know when you're ready for the next one. Okay, sounds good. I have a question that I know is a dumb question, but I want the answer anyway. Right. <laughs> if proteins are the thing that help us promote uh, bubbles. Yes. Why not do all protein malt in our beer? Why not 100% protein <laughs> malt? What happens? Well, you, I mean, it'd be a disaster. Because the first thing is you wouldn't have any starch. And so I mean, the important thing is you have to have the starch to break it down to produce sugars in the brew house. So you get fermentation, you get alcohol. Okay. Um, second thing uh, is, of course, uh, there's, there's different types of proteins. There's good proteins and there's bad proteins. So um, the foam proteins are... The, the hydrophobic proteins, and then there's a haze-forming protein. So, Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you get really cloudy beer. And uh, some of the proteins are, uh, people are sensitive to them, like the gluten thing. And, of course, um, you'd end up, if you broke those proteins down, you'd end up with all these amino acids, and there'd be far too many for the yeast, and they'd all be left behind in the beer, and uh, bugs would grow in them and uh, and spoil the beer. So... You just got the right have the right amount of protein. So it just goes back to balance. Yeah, got to be balanced. Balance is absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about some inhibitors, and one that I want to ask you about because I noticed it in the book, mm. and I wonder if it affects us homebrewers. It's marriage. It talks about <laughs> the duration of the boil. Yeah. And how extended or prolonged boils might actually uh, hurt head retention as well. Did I did I read that right? It's 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 a balance, um, you know, because what what happens when you boil, and you you you, you denature the protein, and that makes them more uh, water hating, more hydrophobic, and that's good for foam. Okay, um, you know, people talk about a, a specific protein. Let's just call it LTP. And if you take this LTP out of grain, it's a lousy foaming protein. But if you uh, take it out of boiled wort, it's very good. And that's because when you boil, you transform it from a lousy form to a very good form okay. by denaturing it. But when you denature, you also make the proteins less soluble. So it's a balance, you know. On I one see. hand, you're, you're improving the proteins. The other hand, they're dropping out. They're getting precipitated, you know. So on balance, excessive boiling is probably a negative thing. You're getting more precipitation. So we like to – we constantly talk in this room about a 90-minute boil. Yeah. That doesn't – is that an excessive boil? No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. That's We're talking fine. hours, it sounds like. Yeah. Hours and hours would be excessive. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, again, it, it, if you start with a, a gris, which is loaded with protein, and you're losing it through the process, okay? So whenever you, whenever you have precipitation or wherever you've got foaming in a fermenter, all those things, you're losing protein. Okay. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you've started with plenty of protein, you should have enough left, you know. You know, years ago, uh, when I was uh, Bass, we uh, we did trials with uh, putting extra protein in the beer. 
and uh, we we uh, we hit on egg white. This was in the laboratory, right? So yeah. So egg white, um, and uh, for for years I was called scrambled eggs in Bass because we put the 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 egg white in the beer and we pasteurized it and we got scrambled eggs. But this was you know it didn't go out to trade, you know. <laughs> right. Then we modified it uh, and it was really quite good. But you know, with beer that had lots of protein in it, it didn't didn't help at all. But then the boss came in, the top man. He came in. He said, "You know, people are allergic to eggs." You know, and uh, I wonder what what the hell we're going to do. So my boss, he said, "Well, it's quite uh, simple. Peter Comline at the brewery in Runcorn is sensitive to eggs, so we'll give him some. Um, <laughs> if he survives, we'll use it. Uh, if he doesn't, we'll have a, br- a memorial brew in yeah, his honor. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? The scary it's a thing win-win is, for him. Yeah, we did it. We did it. You did it." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just theory. Yeah. And he laughs about it now. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah. And he lived. Yeah, yeah, but we never used it. Like okay. It's too damned expensive. Okay. That's but, but now he'd sue him. Yeah. You know, there are worse things, though. I mean, I, one of the one of the most significant inhibitors is alcohol. Okay. Uh, you know, if you, the more alcohol you got in the beer, um, the the more of an inhibit, uh, inhibition you've got. So if you're drinking a 10% alcohol beer... Um, then the form's not going to be very good, but you know, chances are you live on the subway uh, and, and, you, <laughs> and you're drinking straight out of a, a, you know, a, a, you know, a paper bag or something. And, and so you don't give a shit anyway. You don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. but you know, so these crazy beers in, in Scotland at the moment are 65% alcohol. Yeah. They ain't going to have great heads on them. No heads, yeah. But would you care? Yeah, I guess you wouldn't. <laughs> well, and just even thinking about barley wines and things like that, we're not finding great heads on no, barley you wines. Won't. None you of won't. that. So no. the alcohol is a very significant inhibitor okay yeah i think i've asked you this before about um people using uh, studying using olive oil oh, to oh, aerate the oh. right the 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 wort or, the, or, or to the, replace the, the aeration to of replace the, the aeration mm-hmm. now forget about all forget about all the other questions we've asked you that's adding that's adding a, 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 a lipids to uh, the to the beer it uh, would be yeah. terrible for head retention wouldn't it yeah as long as i mean unless all the olive oil material is uh, is absorbed by the yeast yeah and used by the yeast yeah it's i mean it's a disaster waiting to happen and and then on a less extreme case we see this in in coffee beers and things like that too don't we where people are adding coffee beans even if they're ground yeah. uh, we're any, adding lipids anything that's any lipid material the more you put in there the more that's uh extracted from the raw materials the bigger the problem is going to be Actually, not only for a perspective of bubbles, but also f- freshness, you know, uh, from flavor stability and, and development of rancidity, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, but but certainly from a foam perspective, uh, lipid is uh, is a serious problem. Got it. How else are the, is Greece going to be able to build their economy back up if we're not buying more of their <laughs> olive oil? This right. is insane. That's true. <laughs> if you use Italian olive oil, you're crazy. Charlie's not helping oil. Greece right now. No, he's not. <laughs> he's no friend of Greeks. Greece is not good for head retention. No. All right, before we go to the break, I've got questions we're going to do when we come back, questions from the listeners, and we're going to start talking about flavor. Why don't we do another uh, question? Uh, let's see if Charlie knows it. At what concentration is zinc the most effective in neutralizing the negative charge on the isoalpha acid? I didn't even understand the question as I asked it, <laughs> but, but it is a question. You know, it's a good question. Though. I hope the question was correct. Uh, I think you actually mean... Uh, I hope that's the answer. I hope the yeah. answer is, well, first of all, Scott, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's second of all. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Can you repeat the question? Do we want to hear it again? At what concentration is zinc the most effective in neutralizing the negative charge on the isoalpha acid? The sticking point is the word most, 
Right. What's because the, the most it seems because if there's a variation and and is he is there an exact number or does right. he have to give us a range? And what is effectiveness? Is it is it? Uh, um, it means it works. Perception. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. I thought you were asking a different question. Yeah, I don't even know what effectiveness means. Is it like effervescence? I don't understand it. But does the professor know what it means? He knows. He knows it, and whether it's a range or an exact number, he knows that too. He's going to give the correct answer. I'm going to shoot from the hip and say no. <laughs> JP's playing the get ahead game. <laughs> and I like it. We need, yeah, we need, I have we to. need some competition. At this point, I'm the only one who said no last time, so I need it. Tasty? Uh, he will know, although he will uh, say it depends, but his explanation will be adequate. We'll say, yeah, he knows. Okay. Do I, you know? No, I don't know. No. Bevo, what do you think? I'm going to go, sure, he knows. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not go with the winner? Bebo's yeah. good at these games. Anyone I am with, really good at these games. Anyone with two initials in front of their name that isn't M and R, you should probably go with whatever they say. <laughs> I'd like to call this game Science with Idiots. <laughs> because all you have to do is ask the question and we go, oh, Charlie knows. <laughs> I feel like a full-on idiot typing out these questions from the chat. I have no idea what I'm typing. <laughs> Nathan Smith. You all feel smarter in the room because he's here, yes. Yes. Um, He'll rephrase the question and clarify the things that JP was trying to clarify and, and then answer it, I think. Yes. All right. Yes. Go ahead. Bloody hell. Um, Bloody hell. Well, if it's for form stability, we used to use it at two parts per million, two it, milligrams per liter. There it is, two ppm. He nailed it. Where did you find this? His book. Okay. Well, but, well. <laughs> Good job I knew it, isn't it? Yeah. But I, you, we, I mean, we, we, we technically speaking weren't supposed to be using it, but uh, we used to use it at two, two parts per million. And, and one guy made a mistake one time, and he put it in about a uh, hundred times more of it. And he said, how do you feel about that, Charlie? I said, galvanized. <laughs> <laughs> Is it potentially dangerous, then? No, it's not. It's good it's... for the prostate gland. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, I'll have the, two. So, um, actually, it is something well worth looking into. I mean, a lot of people put zinc in for the yeast, you know, for fermentation, about 0.2 parts million. But for foam, you need to put in it two. Uh, and you can't put it in at the start of fermentation to a two and hoping it'll it'll get in, into the beer. The yeast will just take it away. Oh, so uh, we used to put it in downstream, and uh, I, I, you know, as long as it's legally permissible so to do, it's it's a very good uh, way to improve foam stability. What form is it in that you're putting it in? We the- used to use zinc chloride. Okay, mm. but is it is that different than how it affects the iso alpha acids? Well, what it does. Uh, as I'm sure you're eager to know the answer to, it it bridges. So it's the condom model, actually. So Hmm. you've got these uh, proteins that are shaped a bit like um, condoms with hydrophobic regions on them. Mm -hmm. And the hydrophobic side chains on the isoalpha acids, as you know, uh, are uh, linking to the hydrophobic regions. And the negative charges then are bridged by the divalent metal cattile. <laughs> I follow. You, you follow that? I follow. No, no, that made, made total sense. But but what what about the little squiggly things on the side? Did that? Have, did it, I don't Which know. squiggly things? <laughs> I was trying to engage. Yes, with, of uh, course, of yeah, course. Right. Yes, yes. There you go, Charlie. What was your What was your degree in? Biochemistry. Biochemistry yeah. first, and you didn't get into to beer for some time after. No, I I I did my PhD, and then I went off to become a, a postdoc uh, in Sheffield, and then um, the first job that took my eye um, back in 1978 they wanted an enzymologist I'm, I worked on enzymes at the Brewing Research Foundation uh, which is uh, just south of London, a place called Nutfield and uh, gives a job I could do that So uh, I, it was either that or Oxford University actually as a postdoc okay. and so obviously I chose uh, uh, the BRF 
and uh, and what they it was a member based organization. Uh, basically, it was a you know, great great concept. Uh, there was a, a levy tax on every barrel of beer in the UK, which went to pay for this scientific organization automatically. I like it. And of course, the biggest paymasters were Bass, and of course, they used it as a recruitment ground. So um, they they would sort of look at who was recruited to BRF. He had to be a reasonable scientist, but also good at cricket. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and, and those are the major recruitment things. So, you know, you say, well, what do we need? Do we need a batsman, bowler, uh, and, uh, or a wicketkeeper or something? And then we'll, yeah, we'll have that one. <laughs> and uh, then we'll figure it out. Yeah. And you were decent, apparently. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I was all right. When's the last time you played a game of cricket? Uh, the day I broke my arm. Uh-oh. Uh, uh <laughs> Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Uh, not in this country. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a lot of Indians in, in Davis play cricket, and uh, they actually approached us to, to run a, a hose so they could water the wicket, as we call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they said, uh, oh, uh, perhaps you come along and play. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> Here's young, your hose. It's a young man's game. <laughs> it's a good drinking yeah. game, actually. As long as you've got two good batsmen, two good bowlers, and a wicketkeeper, and the rest just need to be good, solid drinkers. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then you've got a winning team. You so, had me at drinking game. Yeah, the BN has the middle makings yeah. of a great cricket team. Yeah, we got yeah. that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the second edition, Flavor. I also have your questions in front of me from the chat room, so I'll ask those to Charlie when we come back. If you've got your own, hit the chat button on the homepage or call 888-401-BEER. We'll be right back. It's the session with Charlie Bamforth. <laughs> Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer. One that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Will 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, they've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract so you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, Willie, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on in to the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. Hey, Jack, what you doing? (laughs) Playing Warcraft? No way, it's TBG time, buddy. TBG? Get with it. I'm playing that brewery game. What brewery game? No, that's the name of the site, thatbrewerygame.com. What? Yeah, check it out, man. If you've ever brewed beer in your dreams or wish you could mash in right from your desk at work, you can. Kind of. With That Brewery Game, you can brew up a great batch of beer from anywhere virtually. Then you can sell it because in That Brewery Game, it's legal to sell your beer to the public, create recipes, brew virtually, upgrade your equipment, upload labels, and test market your brand at thatbrewerygame.com. You still slinging pissed off birds in the buildings your phone forget that try making beer sweet register right now for your free account at thatbrewerygame.com brew drink play thatbrewerygame.com Elon, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Yes, sir. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you sticking around. We're talking to Dr. Bamforth here about the Practical Guide to Beer Quality Series. And uh, tonight we're talking about foam 
and flavor. We're going to talk about flavor here in just a couple of minutes. I've got your questions in front of me from the chat room, too. If you've got more questions, hit the chat button on the homepage. In the meantime, if you're looking for a place to compile your recipes and get ready for brew day like I am for my Brewcaster Challenge, go to Beersmith.com and download the Beersmith homebrewing software. You get a free 21-day trial to check it out so that you don't have to take our word for it. But we love this software. I'll be putting my Schwartzbeer recipe into it. And by my Schwartzbeer recipe, I mean Jamil's Schwartzbeer (laughs) recipe from Brewing Classic Styles will be the basis of mine, which I know that Nathan will be heavily using as well Oh yeah, uh, for his uh, beer. I'll be putting that into the Beersmith Home Brewing software, and that's how I'll adjust everything. You know, uh, I'll take it the, the quantity that uh, Jamil has it listed in Brewing Classic Styles, and I'll be able to adjust it to my system, uh, all within the software. So if you're looking for an easy way to manipulate your system, your ingredients, find other people's recipes, because there's a whole recipe database, go to Beersmith.com and download the home brewing software. There's a free 21-day trial. I guarantee you're going to love it, and apparently Brad does too. Otherwise, he wouldn't give you the free trial. If you don't love it at the end, no harm, no foul. All right. Charlie, how about, uh, let's do one more question of Charlie's. Let's do another um, science with idiots question. I think it's, does Professor Bubbles know? That's what I've deemed it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'll do questions from the chat room for Charlie. If you add fruit to your boil, blank occurs. I'm looking for uh, pectin Shitty haze beer. <laughs> Pe- pectin haze. <laughs> pectin haze is mm-hmm. the answer. Now, see, to me, this one's maybe a lot of things happen. So is Charlie going to say that that one thing, or is he going to say something that maybe that's not the answer you have, but it's it's still a right answer? My theory is he will clarify once more. Yeah, he didn't and clarify the last one. He did clarify you? the last no, one. No, he did not. Yes, he did. He said if you if you're talking about with regards to foam stability, then the answer is this. Oh, but I was nodding uh, vigorously as he said, "If you're talking about," and I was like, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking about." Well, there you go. You know, if he knows the answer to every single question, it's the stupidest game we've ever done, right? I hope mm-hmm. you kept asking questions until he didn't know one, Scott. Do you, do you think he knew? <laughs> That's the real Scott question. just got a weird look on his face. <laughs> I don't know. He was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I'd like to say that I believe that Dr. Vanforth is going to know the answer to this question. Okay. <laughs> I think he will clarify because like, in, in, in what regards are you adding fruit to your beer? Post fermentation in the boil. No, it said. No, he said. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, then, um, if you add it in the boil, this thing happens. Yes, he'll know, and then everyone's going to say yes, and then I'll lose. I'm already losing. (laughs) I've lost. Uh, I'm going to jump off the balcony. If there's not a multitude of things that happen, he must know. He knows. Tasty. I say he knows. Um, Well, I know, so I'm sure he knows. (laughs) Right, Uh, Nathan. Well, it's a little open-ended, though. He oh. might not answer it the same way that Scott expected. But then we, if, if he, he's still going to give a correct answer. And then right. just because he didn't say pectin haze doesn't mean he's okay. wrong. Give me an example of another correct answer to what would occur if you put fruit in well, your Well, it boil. just says fruit. There's a lot of different types of fruit. And they so, would be, react, react all differently. If it like boiled. gagging and choking would be a correct answer in my book. <laughs> right. <laughs> But there's a lot of seeds, for example, you might get some other effects or something, right? But, I say uh, he knows. I said say he knows. Let's move on, yes. Everyone yes, he says he knows. Well, I mean, you get a bloody mess, quite honestly. <laughs> See? That's right. Uh, you know, so. And then he trailed off. So I, that's uh, not what I was looking for, but he answered like you did, Jay, like, eh, it's going to be a mess. 
did Charlie? Nah, did, uh, nah. Uh, yeah, it, would you have been able? Would you? Did you know pectin hands? Yeah, I would have if I'd thought about it. But you know, I usually uh, uh, think about the fruit being put in somewhat later than that. You know, so right. Yeah, the, depends on the fruit, how much pectin hairs you get. But you would get a bloody mess, and pectin hairs would be a bit of a mess, wouldn't it? Really? Yeah. But I don't think I got that right. I think I was wrong, actually. All right, there you go. JP, you should have gone with wrong. You should have, man. You were afraid Charlie wouldn't like you if you kept voting against him. No, did did we verify that he was indeed wrong? Uh, he, he said, said he I volunteered that yeah. that oh, was an incorrect answer, but Where it would be a you? mess. Yeah, I, I'm getting things. I'm making sure the computer is monitoring what camera was on him, yeah. and then I'm keeping notes here. I'm doing a whole thing. We I'm keep a notes. You're not keeping notes on what Charlie's saying. <laughs> no, sometimes I have to dodge in and out of the. Thing. Look, this is why I get paid four fifty. <laughs> For four hours, okay? Four dollars and fifty cents. Yes. Okay. So uh, okay. He didn't well, know I should it, have been which wrong. Means no points for anybody there. That was JP's chance to get ahead. <laughs> JP's uh, committed to never being right. Yeah. That's <laughs> All right. True. Let's do some questions from the chat, Charlie. All right. Um, Willis writes in uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, does first wort hopping or mash hopping oh. have any impact on <laughs> foam stability? <laughs> oh God! Why do people do that? <laughs> As a process, you don't you don't like it? No, because no. you think it doesn't. It just doesn't no. do anything. No. Okay. No, I, I'm not going to answer that question. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not a practice I would advocate. <laughs> so you so you uh, you refuse I, the premise. I abstain. On okay. That Next, right. you got it. Um, all right, we already covered the adjuncts uh, in there, so I won't ask that one. But um, how about this one? Uh, how much of an effect will kettle finings have on foam stability in the finished beer? Um, not a major effect. They, they, they clearly will remove or help to remove the, uh, the uh, a protein. Um, but the, the magnitude of the effect, what you're going to be removing is some of the less soluble protein and so on, getting r- rid of the hot break and so on. So not a huge effect. Okay. Um, there might actually also be some benefits. In it. They might actually take out some of the lipid as well. Oh, uh, Some okay. of the fining materials will actually uh, remove some of the, inso- the, the lipid materials as well. So it, it may actually have a slight benefit. Kettle findings are, are just things like uh, Isinglass and Irish No, 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 no. You put Isinglass in the kettle. No, uh, Carrageen oh. and Irish Moss. Yeah. Irish Moss. Irish that, moss. Okay, that's yeah. it. Irish Moss. Okay. Um, are pro, uh, protease? Protease. Protease enzymes. Uh, mm, the English isn't exactly. Spam of the week. Are, are protease <laughs> enzymes denatured at standard infusion mash temperatures? <laughs> Yeah, that that comes back to all this business of the the low temperature stand, and some people call it a proteolytic rest, and some people don't believe that these enzymes actually are working in the uh, uh, the mash. Uh, the the probable reality is they're probably inhibited. M- many of them are inhibited. Um, they certainly will be uh, largely inactivated at conversion temperatures, starch conversion temperatures. Uh, there is a debate: two schools of thought. There's the German school of thought, and there's the Michael Lewis school of thought. Uh, which are the two polar opposites in terms of whether they're important at low temperatures. Um, Michael Lewis did a lot of work suggesting that they don't work in uh, in a mash at low temperatures. So it's not really a proteolytic rest. Uh, a lot of protein precipitation in a mash, but not a lot of proteolysis. If you go to Weinstephan or Berlin, they'll say there's you know it's a proteolytic rest. So um, the evidence is uh, it depends on how you do the experiments. Quite honestly. Okay. 
And um, someone wants to know if the different barley cultivars, you know, your your U.S. two-row, your Maris Otter, your Continental Pilsner, are more or less foam positive than others? No, not a big factor. Oh, yeah, okay. Really, really not a big factor. Um, there is more protein in a six-row barley than there is in a two-row, so malts do tend to have higher protein contents. But, you know, most... If you use, uh, the important thing is how much malt you use, you know, and how much uh, uh, of, a, of a material you use that doesn't provide any protein. So, you know, pretty much any pale malt will provide a lot of protein, and wheat malt provides really good proteins. Um, but if you're using sugars and, and corn and rice and these sorts of things, they're not providing any protein, so that dilutes it all out. But uh, the difference between different uh, different uh, barleys in terms of their foam quality is is not a not a major effect okay all right and that's going to get us through foam if you want to know more and i suggest that you that you check it out because there is an awful lot more you can buy uh foam the first edition to practical guides for beer quality uh at american society of brewing chemists so put aspc i can't remember it's org on net perhaps you could find it out um, but the American Society of Brewing Chemists, or you can go to my web page. I just put Bamforth and Beer into the, and uh, go to my page and click on Buy the Book. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So the second edition is also out now, and the yep. second edition is on flavor. Yeah. Charlie, I think that you're almost nuts to even take on the broad topic flavor. <laughs> this one must have been fairly. I say that because of the subjective nature of flavor, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, each to his own or her own. Um, they, you know, different people's got different ideas about what is good and what is bad. So in there, I, I actually, when I do the sort of the, the tables at the end in terms of how to change the levels, you know, uh, I, I actually say, should you want to increase the level of this, this is how to do it, or should you want to decrease it, you know, take something like DMS, dimethyl sulfide. You know, s- some people hate it and they yeah. want to get rid of it if you're making rolling rock lager you're trying to get a whole heap of it you yeah know? yeah uh and it it really dep- depends on the beer okay. um you know in germany it's an off flavor you know in in the uk uh dms is desirable in lager style beers you know so it, it, you know and that applies to most of these things so all i've tried to do is to say well how do you how do these things develop uh, where do they come from how can you control them and how do you troubleshoot? Do you want to get more or do you want to get less? How are you going to do it? Okay. But for, for some things, I would say diacetyl, you know, the VDKs, you know, it's for, for most people it would be a case of how do we lower the levels. Okay. Um, but uh, even then, you know, there's some people think a little bit of VDK goes, uh, go, uh, does some benefits for some of the beers. But sure. know, in my opinion, uh, I'm not convinced by that. Well, since I've known you, and certainly in this book, you're very careful to to not talk about good beer and bad beer, per se. Yeah, um, and, uh, and it really is in the, uh, the eye of the drinker, you know. Um, and uh, I, have no, I have no right to uh, pontificate about what is good and what is bad. And that's why I think it, they get it wrong in that other uh, uh, alcoholic beverage, which is uh, well-known and loved in Napa and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who, who uh, stand up and pontificate about what is good and what is bad. Uh, I don't believe they've got any right to do that. Yeah. Um, and what you like as a beer, what I like, they may be totally different. Yeah. And uh, and so be it. What I do think is you uh, you should decide what the beer you want is and what the beer is you want to brew and do it consistently. Okay. And I think that's that's the important thing. I, I don't think there should be any surprises. 
uh, and uh, if you if you produce a beer that tastes like uh, you know licking out a, 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 an ashtray and uh, you know rear end of a dog with a little bit of you know <laughs> skunk scrotum thrown in for good measure yeah uh, i have no right to say that that's no, not good beer no you and, don't and, and that's not what i want <laughs> some people would say you do have a right to say that but i see your point <laughs> yeah i, I had that <laughs> uh, i had that ipa at, uh, at the, the local the other day <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's real um, good and 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 so be it uh but uh so uh, what the book tries to do is to say okay this is how you increase the level of this. This is how the level you, you decrease it, and you decide uh, apply it to actually uh, get what you want. Okay. Remembering that you know you you tweak something. If you're not careful, you also tweak something else. So you can't do things in glorious isolation. Okay. You know? Yeah. So the the, the book is a, a pains to point out. Well, you you try to modify this to sort of lower the esters or increase the esters. Be mindful of the fact that this might also change. You know. Okay. So I you know I try again to do that in a fairly uh, reader friendly, gentle way. And I'm sure that you're not only uh, talking about chemical compounds such as uh, you know dms and things like that but you're talking about bitterness and how that affects a beer as well right oh, absolutely i mean the, everything all any component which you detect by the the palate or by um the nose or indeed by the the pain receptors you know the carbon dioxide you know yeah all of these things are influencing the perception of the product okay and of course i i start off by pointing out that you you've 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 pretty much made the decision by looking at the damn thing, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the appearance of the product has a, a, a substantial effect on people's perception. Talk about, about your experience in that a little bit and, and how we perceive with our eyes. Well, you know, it, we used to know at Bass, if we, if we did trials and we were looking for a subtle flavor difference between two products, if we made the mistake of serving one with a better head, that was always the one that was voted the best. Wow, okay. It didn't matter what the flavor was. And I remember telling, taking the biggest selling brand of beer in the UK, Carling Black Label, and we coloured it up. We made it look like an ale. And we gave it to people. And, and they scored it totally differently in terms of flavour. We coloured it with something that had no flavour. Okay. So if you did blind tasting, it tasted identical. Yeah. Uh, people looked at it, and it's darker. They said, oh, well, it's, you know, it's got, you know, it's ale, it's got less DMS, it's got more of this, and it's fruitier. And, yeah. It's no, no bloody difference whatsoever in terms of the flavor. Okay. Um, so people drink with their eyes. You know, they look at the bubbles, they look at the color, they look at the clarity, and they've made a decision about that beer. Um even before they taste it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you've got to be mindful of the fact that drinking beer is a holistic thing. You know? Sure. It's, it's, it's totally that. So you get a cloudy beer and it's, you know, it's supposed to. Well, the analogy, I, I think I put it in the book is, that you know, um, I was in an Indian restaurant once in the north of England and I, I, I took it into this Indian meal. I love Indian food. And a mouse ran across, uh, uh, you know, and I thought, oh. And it's amazing how it didn't taste quite so good yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Highest rated restaurant in the region. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm blown away by this, you know. Yeah. It just doesn't taste good. Yeah. You know? And I tell you, I was, uh, I'm not sure I should tell this story. We got one, I was taking, uh, we're taking our youngest daughter across country to back to college uh, in the summer, and we found ourselves in Oklahoma. So I'm in a restaurant in Oklahoma, and I, um, I said, what craft beers do you have? She said, we got uh, Bud, Miller, and Coors. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that it? She said, no, we've got Pab's Blue Ribbon. So I said, I'll have one of them. Yes. And, and of course, they brought a can in a restaurant, a can, yes. of, yeah. and I'm blown away. <laughs> and I know damn well it's, it's, it's going to be fresher, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be better probably than it would be in a, 
in a bottle. Yeah. But served to me in a restaurant, in a can. Sure. I'm blown away. Change your <laughs> and I should know, And I should know better. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's just blown me away. You know, we did a yellow fizzy lager taste <laughs> test in here. Uh, um, you know, I hate that. And, anyway, go ahead. Well, but we did it for, I think, a, a reason that you'll like. In fact, we, I was trying to take away the visual component. So what right. we did was we had five of them in front of us. And right. maybe two of them were considered craft and there was uh, at least two American light loggers, right. and then there was a malt liquor right. in there. Right. And you are probably not surprised to know that we had the damnedest time picking yeah. out the craft beer, yeah. picking out the one that we thought was the American yeah. light lager. Yeah. Uh, there was very, very little color distinction between all of them. Right. Uh, and and w- without any other indicators, like a label, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we had a terrible, terrible time oh, yeah. picking out oh, the yeah. craft beer. Yeah. And, you know. and it's true, and, and uh, it, it, it really is. The, the name says it all, you know. You put a name on it and people's out. I mean, there, there was a study some while ago, and I'm, the, the next book is all about freshness. But, you know, comparing imported beer to, to the U- U.S. and domestic beers. And the imported beers, you know, taste like, you know, cat piss and, and, and cardboard and so on. Yeah. Preferred when they were branded. Right. Because they were imported, you know. They were German beers. Or, sure. Or whatever. And uh, if they were if they were not branded and they were tasted blind, there was no such preference. Okay, you know. So it, it, people are it, you know, and, and so I've mentioned all these visual clues, but the yeah. brand is you know, it's is, just another is yeah. so important. Yeah. Well, aside from these uh, very subjective factors, and even some of the others we'll talk about are, are are pretty subjective too. But you do teach a lot about how to taste, uh, what environment you should be in, and some of the things you should be looking for in the book. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you can take. Uh, beer taste in different degrees of sophistication you know um i remember at the at the brewery in uh, in the north of england we you know we'd start every day off uh, by tasting the beer and some people think that must be a dream job but you know not really <laughs> right uh, and uh, you stand around a bucket and basically we, we, we myself my assistant the head brewer his assistant and uh, we'd we'd score the beers one two three four one which was this is just delicious two this was mm-hmm. three was Wow, uh, it's okay, but and four, which was who do we sack? And uh, <laughs> right. we didn't get many fours. Um, but uh, it, you know, it can be as simple as that. And all you're relying on is the uh, the fact that the the brewer and the quality manager they've got reasonably good palates. They're not blind to anything. Uh, you know, there's no no flavour that they don't understand or can't detect because they're blind to it or something like that. And they're not extreme they don't smoke cigars and you know and and, and over overcome the uh the acuity uh right the way through to really sophisticated tasting and trained uh tasting you know and i go yeah. in, into the book talking about um how you can i mean there are people who will train people to do beer tasters and you can buy pretty expensive kits with flavor standards and aroma standards and you can buy these things and dissolve them in the beer and uh, use them to train people for different flavors. And it's a great idea. Yeah, it is. Um, so uh, and I give names of, of where you can get those things and addresses and so on. And, okay. Uh, um, and and so it's it, it, it's a complex area. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got to try and have tools which overcome some of the subjectivity. Aside from brewing... A single goddamn good beer. This is the most difficult part of of the beer and beer-loving process for me, is flavor and tasting. Now, it's easy for me to know what I like. That's the easy part. I like this beer. Maybe it's it's a little buttery for me or or for others. But 
But to actually dissect it and pick out some of the flavor components that you discuss, yeah. that's a hard, it's why the BJCP exists, to train yeah. beer judges. It's why it's a very difficult topic to, to tackle. It, it is, is very tough, you know. And I, I had an example just the other day. I mean, some, some guy said, I, I brewed a beer. Uh, uh, I'd like your comments on it. So I tasted it, and he said, I think it tastes like pig shit. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and this is the brewer. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't get pig shit, but I... <laughs> <laughs> right. I get halitosis. Okay. And, uh, and yeah. he said, I don't, I'm, but I, whatever it is, I said, I have no idea what's causing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Even that I can't. And he looked, he looked at me as if to say, ah, I thought you were smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, people give me these things and they say, ah, what do you think? Yeah. And I'm expecting to know instantly sure. what it is, you know. But uh, not everything is some common no, component, uh, right? No. And, it could, and this, this was a beer uh, made with a fairly uh, unusual grist material okay and without tasting that and without tasting the sample at different stages and that's the, that's the key taste right the way through you know i mean you know taste the water before you brew with it taste you know taste the raw materials yeah as, much as you can yeah uh, and that is the secret and there's nothing dumber than uh, than brewing with tainted water and, sure uh, and at the end of the day finding the beer tastes like crap well yeah it will do yeah if, if you've not uh, if you've used materials that are tainted. What a great point. Yeah. Nathan, when's the... Now, you have a familiar brewing setting. Right? Yes. You know your water. When's the last time you tasted your water before you, you... Every time. You do taste it every time? Oh, yeah. Good. Every time. See, Just to the, double this check. This is a good brewer here. It changes the books. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have to thank the master. Because yeah. it does change your municipal water source. Yeah. yeah it'll, you can taste the hardness differences just slightly if you're really dialed into it or if you feel like you've... Yeah. There's sometimes I'll notice if just mixing chemicals that the water will respond a little bit differently. And then that's an extra reason to go and taste it again. And, and even check. though I buy my grain from our, our the same place every time, our wonderful sponsor, More Beer, when I go do a, a, a kit, I, I always buy from More Beer. I should probably taste that grain every time, too, because just because it's coming from the same shop. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a well-known, very big brewing company that before they were taken over, I don't know what it is now, but before that... They used to uh, they used to taste everything except the sodium hydroxide. They didn't taste that for cleaning, you know. <laughs> Might be a good but idea. everything else. I mean, they even used to have the sliced bread test, and they used to take a piece of, of bread, a, a loaf of bread, and take it to the malt house and have them wipe the inside of the tank with this, and then get the maltster to to taste the bread. Really, and that was to you know keep everything clean, you know. But I had another guy who did a lot of work in the UK with me, um, and he looked at differences in malts. You could you get malts that are dried in slightly different ways, different, slightly different kiln settings. Everything about the malt is within specification. The color, the everything else, all the specifications are, are right on, on there. But if they subtly change, say, the airflow on the kiln, the malt tasted different. Wow. You know, yeah. so it, it, it's a big thing. Okay. And, and so it's like anything else. If, you know, if you're a chef or something, you taste. You're continually tasting okay. uh, and perfecting it. And that's, that's the most in- sensitive instrument you've got. Yeah. You're, what's dangling off your face. You know? <laughs> right here on my face. Yeah. Once I shave my beard Apart and mustache. Hideous growth. Yeah. <laughs> Great globules of grease. Yeah. yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. <laughs> Both books are available now. Uh, did you look that up for us so we can get the exact um, 
uh, uh, URL? I had it when he said it before, and then I closed it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Give it to us once more, uh, Charlie. So it's the American Society of Brewing Chemists, ASBC. Or you can Google Charlie Bamforth and beer. You'll end up at his website. You can get flavor is one of them, and foam is another. And you know what? It's not a long read, but it is a comprehensive read. He covers both in great detail. And there are four more volumes to come. Four more. Uh, the next one's on freshness. So each one is dedicated to a grandchild. So uh, Very nice. The first one is uh, to uh, my grandson, Aiden, who actually lives in Clayton. Okay. Very close to Concord. Right near Tasty. That's where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. Where I live. And uh, the next one is Lucy, and she's in Rancho Cordova. And the next one will be Liam Donald, and he's in Clayton. And the next one will be my newest one, Luke Charles. So And so I'm looking to my kids to, I mean, there's two more volumes after that. Wow, that have so, to so be the named, pressure's you know? on. So the pressure is on. Um, <laughs> Get to work, kids. So I've got a, a younger <laughs> a younger daughter who's a lot younger than the other two. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, whether, you know, I don't know the timing. It's, it, may sure. not, it may not just be perfect <laughs> timing, you know. Charlie, if all else fails, you know, dedicated to Justin is always a great... Uh, yeah, Justin. <laughs> you know, it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. You have to meet a, a quality man called Justin first. <laughs> I, but yeah. Well, I, I'll think about that. Be yeah, the sanitation but, book. I guess yeah. you could dedicate it to Kate the Great. Ah, well, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> Lovely lady. I, I Lovely do lady. have one a follow-up question, and it's, it's probably the most important question of the entire evening. Um, can Liverpool pull ahead of Chelsea this year? I what don't do you give think? a rat's ass about Liverpool really? and Chelsea. No. Wolverhampton oh. Wanderers. Well, like yeah, that. but, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, can Wolves get back into the second level? That's can the they? important thing. Yes, they you can. Think? They've just moved into a really strong position now. Mm. So, uh, All right. That's important. But, actually, uh, I I, uh, I prefer Liverpool to uh, to come up uh, trumps over Chelsea. That's why I like you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got a couple of things I want to make sure that we mention. Uh, you are teaching a class over in the UK uh, for the month of July. I am. I'm teaching um, uh, one class in Nottingham in, in July. And uh, it, again, if you go to study abroad at UC Davis and, and put in my name, um, summer abroad, and you should get to the information on that. Uh, so it's primarily for uh, for uh, students from the University of California, but uh, other students as well might like to uh, see about whether that would be a good fit for them. And uh, so it will be in Nottingham. Uh, classes uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, s- uh, field trips on uh, Thursday to places like Burton-on-Trent and a malt house and a hop yard and so on. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, open to... Uh, to uh, Find your way around uh, the great British Isles. Wonderful. Mm. I also heard a rumor from JP here that there is a rare open house of the brewery at UC Davis. Is that happening? Can, can the public see that brewery for uh, a one-day type thing uh, by when, buying a uh, ticket? And when is that? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know? Let me, I'll yeah, tell, you tell, exactly me, tell me when I'm doing that. Because. It is, um, I think... March 27th. Am I doing that? I believe so. It, that's what it said on the... On, on, on does the it say on there that Charlie will be there? When, let me, let me when does it out. say I'm or doing that? Or does it say Charlie's <laughs> aide will be there? Uh, <laughs> let me see. I don't know if anybody doing that. But anyway, I mean... You're very, because you don't normally just let people walk into that brewery. Well, no, you might get all sorts of strange people. But I don't have any sandwiches, so that keeps people out. <laughs> yeah. We'll send Chuck your way if you want. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Well, I'll find it. Yeah, find it. I don't know what that's all about. but I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, please do. Doing. Let me know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll try to make sure I'm there. We'll give you a day's notice or so. <laughs> all right, we've got two more questions in the Science for Dummies. Science with Dummies, actually. 
What Which French scientist was able to show that protein Z is the most abundant protein in beer? He knows. Easy. This one's easy. What? Do you know it? No. no but it's, it's easy just, it just for Charlie. Easy. Yeah. Because I think that it's important to scientists who spend their life as scientists in research, it's important when there's actually a name associated to a discovery. It's This is relevant to them. So he knows it. JP, does he know it or not? He, I don't, I'm so out of it. Uh, he, sure, why not? Let's just go with the crowd. Let's crowdsource this. You're, the only, your only chance to win is say he doesn't. He doesn't know it. There you go. Tasty? <laughs> I think he knows. Nate? Well, JP said yes, so I better say no. <laughs> Plus, no. the guy's French. No way. I said no, no. No, JP switched to no. Oh, we just said to no. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I better say yes, then. <laughs> Beaver. Yes. All right. So everyone says yes but me. Yes. Okay, great. I call Dosson, D-A-U-S-S-A-N-T. Jean Dosson. Ah, maybe. He even, oh. even yes. spelled it for us. Jean. <laughs> He's like, because you don't understand the language I'm speaking, I'll spell it for you. All right, one more question. I saved the uh, most important question uh, till last. This is after I came across a, uh, a, scient- a, a doctor that uh, he had quoted named uh, Evan Evans. Do you feel that Dr. Evan Evans' parents had to have been high when they were discussing baby names? I was just going to say, that's the worst name ever. Do we know the answer? Do we know whether or not they were high? Well, what the question I asked was, does the professor feel that they must have been? Ah. So what, is, what does the professor say? He says no. Charlie is a nice man, and he's going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that there was there was some reason, some logical reason that they would do such a stupid act. It's diplomatic, yes. So he says no. JP, he oh he doesn't know for sure, so no. Okay, tasty. Well, he would say yes. They probably were very high. <laughs> Yeah, Nathan. I gotta say no to at least one of these. Yeah. So here we go. All right, and Bebo. Oh no, they were high. And- oh no, oh, for fun, for fun, they were so high. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, I was a good guy, you know. But you know, I used to have a fruiter called what the hell was he called? Owen Owen. That's even better, you know. That's exactly the same thing, you know. That is even better. But there was the clear answer. Were they high? Yeah. Told you I'm good at these games. Yeah. No hesitation uh, there. Well, that should make it a tie between basically uh, Tasty, Bevo, and Nate. Yeah. Because I, I lost that point. Yeah. And you lost that point. Oh, yeah. What do I win? Uh, not a goddamn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, I'm not yeah. surprised. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. All right. Always a pleasure. Thank I you appreciate much. it. We look forward to the next volume. Are, are they, what are they going to come out now? About once a year? Or? About once a year. So the next okay. one will be out uh, uh, probably early in 2015. Giving your children plenty of time to keep up with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they love it. When you told them, they're like, great. Yeah, they look at me. <laughs> they say, I think they said, get a dog. Give us a break. Right. <laughs> All right, that's Charlie Banforth. Attend UC Davis if you're looking for a brewing program. You'll get to uh, you get to know Charlie and the great facility that's up there at the UC Davis Brewing Program. It's a fantastic facility. Um, go check it out. At the break here, you're going to hear our part two coverage of SF Beer Week. What are we going to listen to, Scott? This is uh, my 
uh, trip to Wood is Good, the uh, barrel-aged, uh, wood-aged, I should say, sour beer event with uh, New Belgium and the Rare Barrel. Okay. Check it out at the break after these wonderful messages. When we come back, we're also going to be talking to uh, Todd Rugeri. He's on the Connecticut Beer Tour for a very good cause. You're going to want to hear all about it. He's got some good stories, and uh, you can learn how you can help. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters, the Brewcasters. on the Brewing Network. As a brewer, you already don't settle for second best. You want great-tasting beer, and you want great equipment to make it with. So don't settle for the second-best grain mill. You want a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Monster Mills are tough, come in two- and three-roller designs, and are made right here in the USA from superior materials for longer-lasting performance. Pick the mill that's right for you at MonsterBrewingHardware.com and take Vivo's advice. Trust me, it's always better to have a bigger tool than you think you need. (laughs) Monster Mills have the best warranty in the business. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Visit MonsterBrewingHardware.com now and check out all the mills and mill accessories. Don't settle for second best. Get a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs, and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019 and get the five-star treatment today. 
Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Noah. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Noah. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. <laughs> Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Brewers, anyone can resell homebrew equipment and recipe clone kits. Get original at Adventures in Homebrewing. Adventures in Homebrewing has the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipe kits that you'll love. Home of the Serial Killer Grain Mill, 220,000 BTU propane burners, custom stainless steel false bottoms, as well as custom-built brew stands and systems. These are just some of the items Adventures in Homebrewing designs and manufactures in-house. And the brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing keep designing, too. Original extract and all-grain recipe kits that are tried and tested and proven to be of the best quality. Most popular are the Blueberry Tangerine Porter, the Nor'easter Cranberry Fest, and the Peanut Butter Conspiracy Stout. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing's original recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And don't forget to use the coupon code BIG10 when you place your order to save 10%. That's coupon code BIG10, B-I-G-T-E-N. Visit Adventures in Homebrewing at homebrewing.org right now and get original today. Homebrewing.org. Join the adventure you're listening to the brewing network this is james from latrop and you're listening to short and stout and i forgot that this is james from latrop and you're listening to short and stout with scott the jew muzzle perfect baby now it's short and stout with scott the jew man with the filtered voice is right. This is Short and Stout. I am Scott the Jew, and this is me recording my voiceover after a night of drinking when my voice is at its absolute sexiest. Anyway, today I bring you part two of my San Francisco Beer Week coverage. It is from the Wood is Good Wood Age Sour Beer event featuring Pioneer out of Colorado, New Belgium, and newcomer out of Northern California, the Rare Barrel. 
Each beer they brought out was better than the next. Co-founder of the Rare Barrel, Jay Goodwin, shared stage time with sour beer badass Lauren Salazar from New Belgium and New Belgium's CEO, Kim Jordan. They shared all sorts of sour beer and wood aging information with a very eager and interested crowd, the likes of which was full of people who had never had sour beer, all the way up to veterans like JP, who, yes, was out at an event holding his neck. Anyway, let's start it off with... Lauren Salazar, and I am from Fort Collins, Colorado, New Belgium Brewing Company. Tell me about the impetus behind tonight's event. First and foremost, it's San Francisco Beer Week, and I think that when I thought about um, trying to think of a good event to do, um, it was trying to decide, you know, like, it could just be a New Belgium event, but the more, it's more fun to try to kind of band together with somebody and um, Jay, Brad, and Alex's place just opened up, the Rare Barrel. I I don't know, I just, I really wanted to do an event with those guys. Did you have to deliberate on which New Belgium Sours you were going to feature alongside the Rare Barrel? Did the decision made itself? Um, Actually, I chose, I chose the beers. I knew, we we decided three and three and I chose my three. They chose their three and, and it became immediately apparent that we would be doing side by sides it just happened they have a dry hop sour we have a dry hop sour they had a dark sour we have a dark sour they had a fruited sour we had a fruited sour it was like kind of organic structure so that kind of is indicative of the whole rare barrel new belgium kind of partnership right? anyway isn't yeah. it it has been um i've just i've known those guys i've known jay since he was at the brewery and um just been a great big fan of his work yeah, just to clarify, the the brewery down in uh, Orange County, BRU Brewery, and in Placentia. Yeah, and it explains why uh, he knows about uh, sours. And so, but this is the Wood Age Sour specifically event, right? Yes, it's called Wood is Good. How do you decide which? I mean, because I think a lot of people think that all sour beer is aged in wood, but that isn't so. No, you can absolutely, there's sour mash beers. There are a, a lot of um, Berliner Weisses and those types of German beers are stainless sours. Um, we do a couple of those as well, too. Using Berliner Weiss, a couple of our, those beers. We have a new beer called Snapshot, and it, it's a uh, lactobacillus um uh, we actually make two worts, one lactobacillus and one a regular uh, wort strain, and we blend the two. So you can do both, all. So I know you go way back with Jay. Uh, <laughs> how's that? Um, you know, I, I met Jay when he was working at the brewery, and then he actually took a class that I taught at Siebel called Sensory Panel Management. Um, it's the, the less sexy part of my job. Uh, it sounds uh, sexy to me. <laughs> sensory uh, evaluation. It, so it was like basically how to set up a sensory panel, you know, all the way from training to statistical evaluations. Um, and that's how I know Jay. Well, but a lot of people took that class, right? Uh, and you're not hosting Sour Beer Nights during Beer Week with them. So well, what was it about Jay? Well, you know, you, you, you've met him. He's, he's very shy, quiet, um, uh, and just, you know, he just makes fantastic beers. Um, and I think the the partnership between he and Alex is super genuine. They're old college roommates. They used to homebrew together. And it's one of those stories that you just, you, you wish every brewery was actually, like, as genuine as, as theirs is. Do you look at Jay like uh, you're his mentor? Or do you feel like your peers? <laughs> no way. No way. I would hope not. Uh, no, Jay knows everything about sour beer on his own. For sure, that, that everything he does is a hundred percent rare barrel. So tell me how you became the sour beer uh, person for New Belgium. Dumb luck. 
uh, right place at the right time. I'm sure, a know? lot of hardworking people are hating that answer. Yeah, I know, and that's you know, I was in the industry when I started working at New Belgium. It was when I had a fr- I had lots of friends that worked there, and they just got me a job. And then from there, you know, then it's a lot of hard work. You know, then you know, then I started the sensory program, and I brought it up to where it is. You know, the wood seller program. I've been managing that. Um, I'm the manager and blender of that. I'm, I'm the specialty brand manager. I do all the educational programs there. So it's the right place at the right time, but just learning, you know, and just really applying yourself and just being completely married to the job. I mean, I was married to Eric Salazar uh, you know, for you know 10 years. He's uh, my best friend, and he's the other guy in the wood cellar, and we were actually married to the job and to each other, and um, we're still... You know, best friends, and we're we're there almost you know twenty hours a day. All right. Well, last thing. So I know the um, the Lips of Faith series. All New Belgium sours are released under the Lips of Faith yeah. label, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you see for the the future of Lips of Faith? I mean, are you trying to you know trailblaze, or are you trying to perfect sort of uh, styles that are already in existence? You know, I think the the funny. I just ha- got told. Um, Sometimes that people wish that we made beers that were more accessible. Um, and it's called Lips of Faith. It's not like, you know, called, you know, yeah, Lips, lips of, of a Given. Yeah, totally. It <laughs> really is. You have to really take that leap. And, you know, it's it's an expensive bottle, and you might and might not like it. But it's how are you ever going to know if you like a Gruet unless you buy a Gruet? How are you going to know if you like a Grotzer until you buy one? And um, it's a little bit about bringing old world varietals back um, and then putting a twist on it because that's what we do. Uh, American craft breweries, if nothing else, love to put a little bit of our signature. You know, that's what American style IPA, that's what American style sour is. It's the same thing. So what is an American style Gruet? You know, what's an American style Grotzer? So I think it's a little bit of, it's you all. if you're not pushing an envelope, it's... I think there's room for everything. There's session beers. There's there's always a time and a place in my refrigerator for a fat tire, but there's always a time and a place for a Russian Imperial Stout and always half of the refrigerator for sours. I'm Jay Goodwin. I'm from The Rare Barrel in Berkeley, California. So tell me, Jay, did you brew beer specifically for this event, or did you use beer that you already had? Yeah, we used some uh, cool beers that we already had, and actually we were talking with Lauren uh, about doing an event, and we're honestly honored to be doing an event with New Belgium and to be here at La Trappe tonight. And we sent Lauren a list of the beers that we were going to bring, and she had the great idea of pairing them against each other. So it just so happened that they uh, were kind of three similar beers from each of our breweries, so we're having a lot of fun so far. We paired our uh, dark sours in the first tasting. Really looking forward to pairing our uh, dry hop golden sours in the next one, especially because Lauren's beer, Le Terroir, was an inspiration for our dry hop sour uh, called Egregious. Alex and I both really love Le Terroir, and we're kind of always like, hey, we're making sour beer, let's make a dry hop sour so we don't have to hunt down Le Terroir. We can make a version of it ourselves and uh, make sure to get Lauren's take on it when we drink it in a few minutes. I think it would be uh, the opposite of what most people would think is, is starting with the dark sour and then working your way lighter, at least color-wise. Is, is that purposeful and, and so why? It is fun to do things a little out of order sometimes. Um, but yeah, the first first round, I'll agree, it was pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're serving some food out there, so maybe we need a, a palate cleanser. Yeah, I'm going for the palate cleanser of, like, a <laughs> Russian Imperial Stout or something, you know, in between the sour beers. Well, so I know that um, New Belgium's been a big influence on you, and I know that you go way back uh, with Lauren. Yeah, I think I first met Lauren while still working at the brewery in Orange County. Uh, the first time I really got to know her, though, was when we were in Chicago for a Siebel class on uh, sensory analysis. She's just absolutely the best person in craft brewing, maybe even outside of craft brewing. One of the nicest people I've ever met. Really smart, really generous with her time and information. And uh, honestly, it's just an honor to be here with her. I consider her a friend, and I consider myself lucky to do that, for sure. Can you just describe the sensory program real quick? The class at Siebel is definitely worth it. If there's kind of like a mid-sized brewery out there who's, you know, worried about the quality of their beer, maybe they're expanding their distribution from in-state or in-county to, you know, all over a big state or to other states, I'd definitely check out the sensory program or just hit up Lauren, you know, for some advice. You know, it is a little nerve-wracking. You're bottling your beer. You're sending it far away from the brewery. Quality is, you know, the concern there is always paramount. So I think a lot of it was about, you know, off-flavor identification, how to train your staff in-house on, you know, what to look for, what, you know, an objective way to set up a sensory program is all about. And, uh, yeah, it's just a tremendous, tremendous class. I'd say the goal of a sensory program is to... Make sure that by the time the beer gets to any customer that could possibly buy your beer, that it tastes, it can never taste as good as it does at your brewery, but it's got to taste at least as good as you're comfortable with. So if you're a brewery in Miami and you're shipping your beer to Seattle, you better fly to Seattle, taste your beer, and make sure that it's up to snuff or else why are you doing it, you know, because that's not your beer out there anymore. And uh, I won't say where I was, uh, but I saw a bottle of um, Orchard White, which is a now defunct beer from the brewery on the menu. This is after I had left, and they were like, oh, this is our last bottle. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take one. You know, it's five, six, seven years later, pretty, pretty solid still, but, you know, I was happy to uh, take that out of the majority. <laughs> This concludes my two favorite events from San Francisco Beer Week. I'd like to thank Kim Jordan, Lauren Salazar, and Jay Goodwin, both the Rare Barrel and New Belgium, for inviting the Brewing Network to such a fantastic event. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your beer, and I can't wait to drink more sour beer from both of these breweries. I'm Scott the Jew. This has been Short and Stout, and until the next one, L'Chaim. When I was a four-year-old, I went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Without a helmet? Yeah, without a helmet. You were taking your bull sack in your hands. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe, and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. One beer. This is the session. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks to Scott Moskowitz getting out there and doing a little SF Beer Week reporting. I think JP even got out there and did a little SF Beer Week stuff with him. I did. That's absolutely correct. That a boy. It did yeah. not involve plane travel, so he was fine. 
Yeah, got a little sour beer info there from uh, the New Belgium uh, folks who we uh, know and love. And also, uh, the Rare Barrel dude. So I finally got down to the Rare Barrel. Tasty. It's been, uh, you know, I been. I can't believe I haven't been there. You haven't been there yet? Since, but yeah. I, I finally got down there. When did I go? Saturday, I think. Saturday. Uh, yeah, they've J- been open about two months, so it's not that late, really. Well, JP called me up. I said, shit, yeah, I got to get there. And you know what? It did not disappoint. It's pretty damn good, isn't it? I'm pretty sure I tried every single beer they had to offer, <laughs> some of them multiple times, and every single one of them was, I mean, stellar. Yeah. A, a yeah really, really. Yeah. Clean. No no oxidation problems like you like you often find in a sour beer. No vinegar problems yeah, like n- you might find no in No nail polish issues. No that yeah, kind of stuff. None of those common like, oh I I made a sour beer. Try this. Right. None of those first things that I go, okay, here we go. None of it. And I mean I'm not talking a li- I'm talking zero. None of it. Loved it. I, I think they have a pretty methodical approach about how they're doing things. They're trying mm-hmm. a different a lot of different stuff, but they're not just saying, okay, we'll do Brett, Lactopedia, 10 different bugs, blah, blah, blah. They're being very specific about what, they, what they're doing and in what order to find out what they like. That's the impression it's I pretty got. pretty cool. Also, through speaking with them a little bit, that's the impression I got. I think yeah. they're booked for a show later this year, aren't they, Scott? Yeah, in a few months they'll be on. Okay. What'll be good about that is it'll be at the Hop Grenade. So we'll get their beer. You can come enjoy the show. You can taste it on tap as a listener. We'll make an event out of that. I, I would recommend coming out. Oh, yeah. So. I don't know if they're doing any tap beer anymore, but uh, uh, for us, they will. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to say that. What? Uh, well, they, yeah, I think no. there's for a special show where they get interviewed. They're going to bring some. They're going to bring some beer to put. Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have they have a tap beer. They're releasing a new one this Friday. Yeah, but they might be. There, there's a potential that they might change that even mm-hmm. uh, because it's a tough uh, thing to keep up with. Yeah, they're uh, yeah they don't have enough beer to go outside of their own outlet. So. I don't know that for sure, but I know that uh, what I do know is that it's a tough thing to keep up with. Uh, you know, Absolutely, that many barrels, you got to age everything. It's all being soured. So they, I'm, I'm not, I'm not speaking uh, from something I was told. I'm just looking at their facility. I'm going, man, how much on tap beer can you guys keep doing? So and they've been we'll a hit what out of the gate, and they're probably really happy they can sell a lot of that right over the bar. Yeah, what a great problem, right? Yeah, yeah. So well, I liked it. So I'd like to thank the Rare Barrel for. Letting me in the door. Good. It, it took some <laughs> sweet talking. It let nice. you in. I mean, it was open to the public and everything, but still, I'm always thankful for that. It's good beer. It's a nice outlet to have, for sure. That was very nice. All right, we've got a few things to do, but uh, one of the things we need to do is talk to our next guest. And our next guest is doing, well, he's doing God's work, which, in my opinion, is, you know, drinking beer for a good cause. That's God's work. It's driving through Connecticut. <laughs> driving through Connecticut, <laughs> drinking beer uh, for, for a good cause. That's what God's work is. Darn it. Uh, let's talk to Todd Rugeri, who's about to embark on the Connecticut Beer Tour. Todd, are you with us? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for being on the program, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sorry we're running a little bit late. We had a, a whole thing going on before you, but we're excited to have you on the program. Yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. So give us a little bit of history, Todd, because our listeners, I, I think a lot of them, except maybe uh, folks on the East Coast, uh, aren't even sure what it is that you're doing. But in, in 2013, you did a similar tour. Can you describe that for us and what was the cause? Yes, I had a beer in all 351 towns in Massachusetts to raise money for cancer. And in the end, I raised about $43,000, and Sam Adams was my sponsor for that. Wow. 
Forty-three thousand dollars for for pediatric uh, cancer research, right? Exactly. And the cool thing about it is there was 351 towns, but there was about 40 towns that didn't have a bar. And once my story gained momentum, people that lived in those towns that didn't have bars would contact me and say, come on over, we'll have a cookout for you. Wow. Um, I had to have a beer at a nudist colony, believe it or not. There was a <laughs> there was a town that didn't have a bar, but they had a nudist colony that served alcohol, so I had to go there. Todd, so- slow down. Hang on. <laughs> slow down. All right, let's talk nudist colony for a second. Yeah. What town ha- doesn't have a bar yeah. but does have a nudist where did, colony? Where did they come up with the idea for the nudist colony if they weren't drunk at a bar? <laughs> right, but believe it or not, the name of the town was Hancock. <laughs> this, is, this is too wow. good to be true. I love it. <laughs> this, that's great because, well, first of all, it's a sad thing to me to hear that 40 towns didn't have a bar. But <laughs> what a cool solution. People invited you to their home to have a beer there instead. Yeah, I mean, those are the fun stops when people invite me to do something unique. I mean, people want me to have beers with their farm animals. Uh, I have a donkey. Will you come and have a beer with them? People just, like, have these fun ideas. <laughs> See, those would be the emails that would concern me. Yes. I have a producer, right? So as soon as someone goes, hey, Justin, we want you to come and, and have a beer with my donkey, that's when I send it over to Scott. And my first question is, is this the same place as the nudist colony? <laughs> the, the donkey? Right. Donkeys are nude. <laughs> right. did, did you have to nude up yourself when you were drinking the beer there? That was my next question. Uh, you know what? I did for the picture, but with the picture, I had a sign over me, and they kind of covered me up. But the thing about a nudist colony, it's a type of place you don't want to see people nude. Yeah, that was That's my next question. Yeah, is is it the stereotypical you yes. don't want to? It has to be. I mean, a beer drinker and nudity, nudity does not mix. They don't mix. Right. Oh, my God. It's it's us. <laughs> it is us. Yeah. Well, it's We're the you. people that you don't want to see in yeah. a nudist colony. Yeah, except Holy shit, Bebo. No, you I don't just... even want to see me naked. Yeah, it's more you than me, really. I just realized, Bebo, that we are of the age and stature <laughs> that we're the ones you don't want to see in a nudist colony. Yeah. Yeah. plus is what like, you're calling Like, us? if I didn't know us and I was watching us, like, from a distance and we were naked, I'd be like, ugh. Right. Typ- that's Typical. nasty. <laughs> oh, man. How does the how does the fundraising work? So the fundraising works. It's really amazing. I just literally show up to drink the beer, and each bar has this big plan. So some bars will donate a portion of their sales for the night. Some places will get a whole bunch of raffle prizes. Some places will donate a dollar for beer. So I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, I, in Massachusetts, my top town. Uh, I raised $7,000, and wow. I literally just showed up to drink my beer, and they did all the legwork. That's really wonderful. Yeah, it is. I, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're not a normal news agency, so I'm actually afraid to ask this next question, because we're not looking for like the sad story ratings story. But, but where did this idea come from for you? I was sitting at work one day, and I had nothing to do, and I said, I wonder if I can name all 351 towns in Massachusetts. I've lived here my whole life. I can probably come close. And after about a week, I gave up when I was stuck at about 150. And I looked at a map, and I'm like, there's a Florida, Massachusetts? There's a Peru? This is amazing. All these towns I've never heard of. I'm going to go to all of them and have a beer. And then I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to raise money for cancer. So I kind of put the two ideas together, and I kind of knew that it was the type of thing that could kind of take off because everyone loves beer. Right. Oh, thank God, Todd. You saved me, you saved me from a night of tears and remorse. Yeah. It's like, well, all my socks were in chronological order, so... I had nothing left to do. I had nothing do. else to do, so I thought, how smart am I, essentially, is what it was. 
Now, your first tour, though, uh, which was last year, uh, was a huge success, which which surprises me. How did you get the word out to make it so successful? Oh, after about my 30th stop, uh, NBC somehow caught wind of it, and they said, can we come film you? So they filmed me at a bar. We went there at 8 a.m. to film, and, and they made sure they said that the news. They said, Todd Ruggieri, alone at the bar at 8.15. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the next day, I got, an, uh, I got a Facebook message, and it was like, hi, I just want to let you know that I work in Jim Cook's house, and he saw you on the news, and he wants to help you. So I went to the Sam Adams Brewery the next day. They, um, they wanted to help me. They gave me some stuff to give away at some of the stops, and uh, Jim Cook and the whole brewery were really behind my idea, and uh, they really loved it. And he actually came to a couple of my stops to support me. Wait, wait. Are, are you telling me that Jim Cook's made... You said that I work at Jim Cook's house. Jim Cook's maid called you? It was someone that works in his house. Uh, I don't know exactly what she did, but she sent me a note on Facebook. She said, he saw your story, and he thinks it's great, and he wants to help you. So, I'm his um, human coffee he table. He probably has a secretary. <laughs> uh, part of me, uh, hi, Todd, this is Margaret. Um, so I just stopped polishing uh, silver uh, for five minutes to call you on behalf of Jim Cook. Maybe you've heard of him. He's the guy who smells hops on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he said you're doing some sort of tour. I don't really know. I'm just the one who vacuums his underwear. Um, but uh, he, he wants to see you. I don't know why. Uh, when he summons me, I come. So if I were you, I would do it. Yeah, it's just someone. It's just Jim Cook's dog's body. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Is that, a, that must be how it went, Todd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she didn't mention Lemon Pledge, did she? <laughs> <laughs> but but now, in, in all seriousness, Sam Adams, Jim Cook ended up sponsoring your tour. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, I was kind of drinking Sam Adams anyways, and um, I think they wanted me to keep drinking Sam Adams, so... They would have me come to the brewery. They'd give me uh, oh, the some morning, beer, give me some giveaways to give away some stops. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, that's great. What about that? Uh, the original NBC? It, w- it was like a local NBC affiliate, right? Because that's what always interests me. Is that once that happens, it it, it all makes perfect sense that uh, you know it gains some momentum. But h- how did that first uh, local host hear about you? I think someone at one of the restaurants I went to knew uh, knew the anchor, and they kind of gave her a call, and then she just sent me a note on Twitter. And then after then, it was just a lot of the news stations wanted to follow me around the state and stuff like that, so it was awesome. It's a good feature. You know, it's yeah. one of those stories you want to report on. Now, right, exactly. I, now, I want to talk about the new tour also, but the, but this question I'm going to ask about the your last tour is relevant to the new one. I have to ask it. You know, you're, so you're going from bar to bar, right? And you're having a beer at every bar. Clearly, there's a, a, a DUI problem here. So I'm curious how you, you got around that. So uh, I people are awesome. People contact me all the time saying, I've been following you from the beginning. If, if you want to come over park your car here and um we'll go bang out a bunch of towns i didn't fundraise in every town sometimes i would just have to just get a bunch done especially if i was driving three hours away yeah i didn't want to drive three hours to go to one bar so a lot of times people would drive me and we're like let's just hit 15 places today going real quick have your beer crossed off the list so i always had people helping me whether it was driving me i had hotels and bed and breakfast contact me and said we saw your story when you're in our town stay with us free of charge so that made my life a lot easier too so i could just kind of go have a couple and stuff like that wake up the next day hit a couple more okay good i'm glad to hear you're you're being safe so what what day did you get the drunkest do you remember the drunkenest day you had well yeah 
That was uh, Washington, Mass., which is in the Berkshires. Probably 90% of the people that live in Massachusetts have no idea that it's such a town as Washington. Um, they didn't have a bar either, but they had this kind of like little resort, and they let me stay over. So that day I probably had about 20 beers, literally. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah wow. So I could just I, I could just sit there and drink, and there was a bunch of us, and I stayed in the guest house. So right. Uh, yeah. So those are the ones I could I could actually uh, relax and have a lot of beer. But see, for your cause, it's it's even endearing when when he's drunk yeah. because he's doing it for like a good reason, sure. and, and he's like, oh, I I love the babies, and they're like, yeah. Let's have another beer, it's great. You're you're a great man here. Drink this. Yeah, uh, we go out and get drunk, and they're like, look at these morons. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing it for a good cause. You might be the smartest man on earth. Uh, can I ask you this? I mean, you you had to put on a pound or two on this tour. Um. The- Actually, people say to me all the time, they're like, how do you, how are you not like this big fat guy? But I actually weighed myself at the beginning and I weighed, I'm 6'2", I weighed 225 and okay. when it ended, I weighed myself and I weighed 226. I don't know how I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Apparently you weren't just going out for fast food afterward every time. No like, food. Because that's what happens. Drinking his meals. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're about, this one, where do you live? I live in central Massachusetts in a town called Grafton. Okay. What's your address? <laughs> right. So that was, the first tour was in Massachusetts, but you're about to do a new tour, and this time in Connecticut. How did that come about? So when it ended, um, a couple breweries actually contacted me and said, we saw your thing in the news because the final beer, they they had it on NBC again, uh, my, my 351st and final beer, and a couple of breweries contacted me and said, "Would you be? Would you want to do this again?" And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even really think about this." So I was almost going to do Vermont, a drink a long trail in all 255 Vermont towns, and I was just looking at the map and I'm like, "Geez, some of these towns are going to be up near the Canadian border." So I met with a couple of breweries in Connecticut. There's 169 towns, and right when I met with Two Roads, they wanted to be involved, and so I decided to um, do the Connecticut tour. And I'm actually already 30 towns in. Oh, you're already on it. Great. Yeah, yeah. I started at the beginning of January, so I like to do it in the calendar year. Is there a place people can follow you at all, a Twitter account or anything? Yeah, it's uh, CT Portor on Twitter. Um, my website is also CT Portor, and my Facebook, CT Portor. And you can get all my information off my website. Okay. Now, I have to add, like, do you, do you have a real job, or is this what you do now? No, this is not. I work for a mutual fund company during the day. This is um, kind of on my spare time. Okay. And and, and the thing about Connecticut is um, the, the, down near southern Connecticut, it, there's a lot of wealthy people. And uh, two weeks ago, one of my stops, some guy came up to me and he said, I've been following your story and I just wanted to give you this. And he gave me a check. It was for $10,000 to the charity. Wow. <laughs> See, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. No, I've, so I've driven through those to towns. Be Massachusetts, and there's only half the towns, but uh, everyone is already involved. Bars contact me on a daily basis, and it's gotten to the point where I, I almost can't even go have a quick beer somewhere because every place wants to make like a huge night of it. So it's it's, it's right. insane. Which is good for the for the fundraising, but tough for your schedule. Exactly. I mean, it's so hard for the schedule. I mean, last week I. I had to drive two hours and 15 minutes to the town that I was going to, and every town around it wants to have an event, so it's like I couldn't even right. just go into the quick beer anywhere. It's, 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 it's tough. Wow. <laughs> now, now, I'm from Connecticut, so I, I want to ask, are, are you sure you don't want to just skip New Haven? <laughs> New, New Haven's one of the towns I'm going to have to do a bunch. What town, are you, what town are you from? I'm from Meriden. 
And right. and to be honest, Meriden's okay, but there's a lot of bars in there I wouldn't walk into. <laughs> not not by yourself. Yeah, um, Meriden for my list I have Silver City Sports Bar. I don't know if you would even know of that. Yeah, it's been a while. All I know is that uh you know, I've had my ass kicked in a couple of them, so <laughs> be careful. That's all. You're you're there for a good cause. No one's going to beat your ass. You're probably right. Fine. Exactly. And, and actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Connecticut driving on the road, and I don't know if you guys saw a picture of my car at all, but it has it, it's pretty much advertising that I'm drinking across the state. Yeah. But I, I, it was early in the morning, and I was driving somewhere, and I got pulled over, and the cop <laughs> comes up, and he's like, "License registration." Oh man! I give it to him, and he goes, "Where are you going in Vernon for your beer?" <laughs> oh, nice. So he knew. Yeah, he knew, and he's like, he, he's like, I take a flyer back to my car, and he goes, I'm going to try to get some guys to go to that stop. Oh, that's really cool. See, nice. th- what a good point, though. Like, I don't even have our Brewing Network sticker on my car, because I, I don't want beer stickers on the car. Right. You get pulled over. Your car's covered with them. Right. Did your car, I see here that your car got, sp- like, donated or sponsored to do the tour? Well, it's my actual car, but okay. the brewery—it's it's, a—it's a huge advertising wrap, and they put like my cartoon face on it, drinking a beer. And I have about twenty restaurants that kind of sponsored it a little bit, and their logos are all over my car. Got it. You see, and then on the, on the back it says "drinking a beer in all 169 towns." That's why I have to be super, super careful now. Right. You see this, Stacy? This guy's got his own caricature as well. You've met. You've <laughs> oh, met your match. A lot of people have a caricature. He's your East Coast match. A, really. a lot of people. Don't you? I don't know. People have caricatures. You, you don't. <laughs> right. I'll get you one if you want one. Hey, Todd, come out here to California. We'll, come out to California. We'll sponsor you, but uh, only <laughs> we'll if you finish all the stops. With California, the- sixty four hundred of them, by the way. <laughs> right? Yeah, the BN will sponsor you. Don't worry about it. We'll figure out how later. Don't consider Texas. That's, that's you know, uh, you want this. To just in, Todd Ruggeri died in California <laughs> trying to fulfill a lifelong dream of raising money for children with cancer. How old? I have a question. How old do you have to be to be considered a child to to get uh, benefits from this charity? <laughs> you're, you're too old. Jeez. Am I too old? Yeah. There's all these. There's a lot of people raising money for cancer with beer. How do, where do I how do, you get how do I get some of that? JP's just getting over his, Todd. This is not a joke. Actually. I just want to get my so. beak wet. Just a little bit. Just a little taste. <laughs> wants a little dad. Well, do your own tour, JP. JP across yeah. Nevada. I don't feel that that would work out well because JP's a little bit antisocial. <laughs> yeah, I'll just stand there and be like, yeah, I, I had cancer. You want to donate money to me? <laughs> That'd be amazing. JP sits in his hotel room and holds his throat for charity. Yeah. <laughs> Can people donate from all over? You don't have to be at a stop to donate, I assume. No, I mean, you can also donate to my website. I mean, most of the fundraising comes from bars that want to do something with raffles and stuff, but you can always donate to my website, too. Okay. Give us the website once more, too. Yeah, it's uh, ctportour.com. Pour like pour a drink. Okay. And I see here that you collaborated on a pale ale uh, as part of this. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, um, this bar in Wyndham, Connecticut, said, we want you to come down, help us make a beer. We're going to name it after your your cause. So I went down and helped make the beer. They called it CT Portor Ale. It'll be ready this Saturday. And they're going to donate $1 for every pint to my charity. And they said it'll be around $600. Excellent. Are you married? Is your wife all right with all this nonsense? Ah, uh, she's she's okay with it, I guess. <laughs> like, I well, he's gone. Shocked that I was doing it again. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But how do you say? Like, you can't get in a fight about yeah. that. I'm saving children. <laughs> All right. This, I know. this man really has it figured out, Jay. He has a cause. He has yes. a he has a given excuse. Somebody drives him around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Free beer. Come on. 
All right, go to ctportour.com and check it out. It's Todd Ruggieri. He's uh, having a beer all over for a good cause, and I like to see it. Um, I guess maybe uh, you don't know if it's going to happen again in 2015, but I wish you luck for this one. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, thanks, Todd. Good luck, brother. Right. See you. Cheers. Bye. There you go. Todd Ruggieri. He's I got like it figured it. out. He does. Well, and, you know... He's still working his job. It's probably a big pain in the ass, to be honest. Well, yeah. it sounds like a big pain in the ass. I don't. We're making fun like he's got you know. Oh, you got it made. This guy is traveling. He's in Massachusetts and he's going to Connecticut every spare moment he gets to visit every bar in Connecticut. It was probably great at first, and then somewhere around town two fifty seven in Massachusetts, he was like, "All right, I have to keep doing this now." Or, you know, I know kids have cancer, but I'm kind of tired. <laughs> Right. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, it's a great cause. All right. Go to CT Poor Tour. I know we've got a bunch of Connecticut listeners, so I uh, encourage you guys to go out and see Todd. Tell him tell him that you heard him on the BN. Sounds like he loves it when everyone makes a big to-do and he can't get to the next <laughs> bar. <laughs> you know? So I say go check it out. I want to do a tour. I, fi- I figured out my tour. I'm going to hit uh, every bathroom in Disneyland and do my tour. That's good. Yeah, it'll raise money, and it'll be like a cakewalk. Remember cakewalks in elementary school, where you like no. bake a cake. Really, no one remembers that. Where you bake a cake, and like, your mom bakes a cake, and then your neighbors all donate how how long you can walk around the blacktop, and if they win, they win the cake. I- anyway, I've never heard of that ever. Well, then my it joke is meaningless. Called like jump rope for life. When jump I went to rope school. for life. Yeah, it was that's like for the heart health. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, much dumber than cakewalk. See, that's why the '80s were so much better to grow up in because you, you know, what, what do you want to do to get healthy? Uh, eat cake. <laughs> now it's jump rope and then wear you have lots an apple of neon after. and drink cake. <laughs> uh, all right, here's yeah. what we're gonna do. We're gonna take one last quick break. When we come back, I have a surprise guest for you, and also we're gonna play. Guess the fake, but this time um, with a, a little different topic, right? Find the fake. Alliteration, Whatever. baby. Whatever. Find. Whatever. All of our names suck anyway. They're both shitty names. I like it. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm quit. We'll be right back. Find the fake. On the wow. Brewing Network. Dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, right on, wipe off commercial grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling with. Without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. What'd you get? 
more brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of meat on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the meat category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down meat when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight doesn't stop at 14% like most meaderies to save 40 cents a gallon. Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead Explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names, manly meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. Downtown Joe's, where everyone is welcome, especially if you like drinking and tasting beer. Head brewer Colin Kamensky's favorite beers are the Tantric IPA and the Double Secret Probation IPA. But you'll have loads of others to choose from when you redeem your exclusive Brewing Network savings. Downtown Joe's is the best brewery destination and the hottest night spot in Napa. Colin invites all homebrewers and fans of craft beer to stop by and enjoy the great food and beer. Whether you're in the mood for riverside dining, live music, or just hanging out at the bar to meet a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, Downtown Joe's has exactly what you're looking for. And now just mention the Brewing Network to receive a dollar off your beer at Downtown Joe's. That's right, take a dollar off every one of their great selection of craft beers, including the Lazy Summer Wheat, Golden Thistle Porter, and the Triple Dog Dare You. Come to Downtown Joe's and enjoy the laid-back atmosphere of Napa's best brew pub. Visit downtownjoes.com right now for current beers, the live music schedule, or to drool over their delicious menu items. Downtown Joe's, your neighborhood brew pub where everyone is welcome. Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops, hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today 
Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris, and I approve this message. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And, and it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Girls and boys, thanks for hanging out with us. We got a little bit left to do. We got a game here to play. Uh, call right now, triple eight four zero one beer. That's eight 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 four zero one beer. We're gonna play find the fake, and I'll give a prize out to the winner. It'll probably be something like a Brewing Network work shirt. We've got Brewing Network work shirts in. Um, or if um, you don't have a penis, I'll give you uh, something that. Unless you want the work shirt, I'll give you female clothing. So. Uh, we have DVDs too. We can give some of those away. Yeah, if you don't, we have things if you to don't give want away. shirts. What are you saying, shirts. Justin? You saying women don't work? Is that is that what you mean by that? No, no. I'm just saying if you wanted and, women's. <laughs> no, no. I, you're sexist. Admit it. Just admit it. I Their curves be. don't really aren't very flattered in work shirts. I must be sexist. Their curvy hips and lush. Oh God. Eight eight eight. 401 beer. That's how you play Find the Fake. We're about to do that in a minute. Hey, have you guys heard of this Adam and Eve? Yeah. Well, Adam and Eve gives you dildos. Yeah. Well, they don't necessarily give you dildos. Maybe that's an overstatement. Well, yeah. Go to adamandeve.com right now, and for a limited time only, if you use coupon code BNARMY, that's B-N-A-R-M-Y, you get 50% off just about any one item. Uh, you get free shipping. You get three free adult DVDs from uh, all sorts. You've heard the genres. You know the genres. You're inventing genres in your brain right now that we we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, I want some new ones today. <laughs> Did you learn new ones? The whole rope thing. I never oh. thought about the ropes. Ropes, yeah, it's like bondage. 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 Oh, I never yeah. think that. Oh, oh, that's cool. definitely a category. Yeah, I know it's a category. I just never thought about it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah uh, three free oh, adult DVDs from any one of these genres, uh, plus a, 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 a gift, a free gift. So just use coupon code BN Army. And Adam and Eve's been a big supporter of the show, as you might imagine. We were kind of right up their alley. I was wondering if you were going to have Charlie so do that part, but we didn't do that while I was. Here. Oh, I should have. You know, I did move around the ad. Sometimes I, I'll move around the ad based on our guest, and 
I was waiting for that to be awkward and fun. That would have been great. I'll tell you what. If Charlie was coming in here for a topic and right. and not not to to plug not to plug his book, <laughs> I would have had him do it. Yeah, but I figure he could at least use it as a proper media outlet if exactly. I didn't make him talk about wieners. Yes. So I. Rubber wieners. I mean, in my defense, they wouldn't have been good wieners. ones. Though. They would have been regular. High quality. Would have been... You'd be proud to have one. Yeah. So anyway, AdamEve.com. Use coupon code BNARMY. Do it now, and uh, we'd appreciate it very much. Yep. Yeah. All right. Looks like the phones are lighting up. Uh, just before we get to find the fake, I'd like to introduce uh, the the person in the studio right now, and uh, I'm going to say this, and I mean it. I actually consider our very first Brewing Network listener is sitting in the studio right now. Nice. He's the very first listener that we had. And, and here's why. You know, we did about a six-week promotional run before we ever did our first show back in 2005. And that was courtesy of our great friends over at More Beer. Uh, the More Beer guys let us put uh, flyers in each of their packages that they were shipping out. Um, and they're still our sponsor today, eight years later. Uh, and the guy sitting in the, in the studio right now is the first person to contact me. We had opened our forum and our terrible, terrible website. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, the guy was nothing but positive, and he just said it, it was kind of just a hello, like, hey, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I heard about you. I'm going to be there. And we started even chatting back and forth before the show even started. Crotchra is sitting in Crotra. the studio right hello, now. Hello, hello, hello. Stuck with you all this time. Yeah. Can you believe that? Eight years later, Crotchrot's actually... I didn't know this was Crotch. He's sitting in our studio. He introduce himself properly. This no, guy is beyond history. Yeah. Yep. See? There we go. <laughs> he probably introduced right, himself man. by Come his, hey, his uh, God-given Crotrot, name. Nice to meet you. Yeah, there you go. Hell yeah. Crotchrot, how the hell are you? I'm, I'm wonderful, man. Uh, doing uh, doing one off the bucket list, man. One I've wanted to do for a very long time. Uh, head out to the West Coast, uh, you know, enjoy and partake in the crap beer that you guys talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to hear it every day. It's another to experience, and it's been it's been awesome. Come check out the beer scene. Oh, uh, absolutely. I want to ask you about the beer scene, but I, I just I still want to give you a couple of kudos. You know, we did our first NHC. I I contacted the National Homebrewers. Uh, the American Homebrewers Association, and I said, hey, uh, I'm this idiot who does a beer podcast thing. We just started. Um, we've been doing it for about a year. I'd like to come and broadcast from your event. You don't have to really do anything. I just, if you can give me a pass to the event, I'll come. I'm not, I'm not even asking for anything for free. We'll set up. We have a lot of listeners now, and we'll just we'll interview people from your thing. I have no idea why they said yes. <laughs> I genuinely have no idea why they said yes. I, I could not have. I could not think of a more unprofessional pitch. And they did, though. Was it that they said yes or they didn't say no? They were just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they actually said no. They said yes because they gave me space in their hospitality suite to set up. Back then, this was in Florida. And anybody who's been to any recent NHCs knows the difference between the hospitality suite then, mm-hmm. a, a, even the conference as a whole. But the hospitality suite then and the hospitality suite, you know, now the hospitality suite then, I could I could speak this volume in the room and talk to the guy at the other side of the room, the the vendor at the other side of the room, right? You, yeah. you could just oh, say, absolutely. "Hey, how's it going over there, Charles?" You know, it was, so it was very small, but they gave me space to set up there. Well, here was the thing. I had no idea how to set up and, and, and do a live broadcast there. And one of the things I needed was a PA system, way out of the budget of the BN at that time. 
Well, Crotchrot reached out and he's like, hey, I got some buddies that, that play music. They're in bands or whatever. I'll, I'll figure something out. I'll show up with a, with a PA system. Crotch made the event happen because he showed up, sure enough, with the largest PA system I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Glass, glass tubes and I mean, that sucker was, uh, it, it was ancient, but it worked. Awesome. It sounded good, too. Oh, it sounded great. It was huge. Denny Kahn, who's a, a home brewer, um, also a sound engineer guy. Had to help us dial the goddamn thing in. It was so loud. I mean, he was oh, yeah. like, you know, he had to help us get the uh, the feedback under control. In fact, I remember the AHA kept coming over and, and telling us to, uh, or you guys, to, to turn it down. Turn They're it going, down. you need to turn it down. It's almost, well, we don't know how. Yeah, I'm happy to turn it down. I don't know which of these does it. Is that when you said you had a degree in broadcasting? Yes. And that... So Crotch helped us out. He he put you know hauled this thing over for us. You know helped me set it up and uh, we got it going. Well, we set up and and at that time, um, you know now they set us. They learned their lesson. Now years later, they set us up in such a way so that when the hospitality suite closes, they just close a door behind all of our equipment. Yeah, but that's not how it worked back then. So they closed. They locked the hospitality suite. Um, and then it, it it opened up at an earlier time, and all of my stuff was supposed to be out of the way. It was supposed to have been moved to the other side of the air wall. But I was drunk and passed out and hung over. And my phone was ringing off the hook for two hours. Hmm. The AHA was pissed because their hospitality suite was opening up again, and my shit was in the middle of the floor, mm-hmm. like just strewn everywhere. Crotchrot moved that as well. Him and I think another listener, while I was passed out in bed, did the work that I should have been up doing. Was this two years ago or is this Florida yeah. still? <laughs> I still can't believe that they invited me, that they allowed me to go back the following year. Well, you took off quite a bit after that, too. They had um, no I, choice. Yeah, I don't think they had too much choice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always what you want to hear. So I just wanted to give some kudos to a guy who's uh, not only our first listener, what I consider our first listener, but has done some help for us. Oh, well, first thank roadie. You, thank you. Yeah. But now, so how do you like the SF beer scene? Uh, uh, the SF beer scene is just amazing. The city itself is amazing. It's a totally different environment. It's a totally different culture. It's a totally different people. Um, different than? Uh, different than Florida. Um, Florida's a lot of New York transplants, um, northern transplants, and, uh, you know, it's everybody is almost distrusting. They'll look at you and go, like, why, why are you talking to me? You yeah, there's know. a lot of deadbeat dads there. You can't blame them. Well, you know, and that's that was one of the things I was going to say. Different with San Francisco is, uh, you know, just the even the even the culture, the the clothing, everything is different. I mean, here here people wear shoes. It's just it's blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, over here, the you can tell that people from San Francisco are extremely proud of their city. Um, they want to. Um, tell you all about their city and, and share their city yeah um and will actually go out of their way to make sure that that happens um that's been something that's been really cool i mean you know i i've been living a contra- uh, i would say a completely non-planned vacation yeah um, just living spontaneously um and you're just here by yourself yeah and people have been showing you around absolutely random strangers yep that you met at beer places yep Wow, that's awesome! Was yeah, this trip cool. just totally impulsive? Then yes, Did it you was. Just... It wow. was uh, one of those uh, sitting around the house, had a rough uh, week at work or whatever. Saw a Southwest uh, commercial of "Want to Get Away." Want to get away? And I said, "Yes, I do." And I booked the ticket <laughs> that night. Yeah! <laughs> See, this is this marketing works. He's yeah, sitting there. Southwest comes up. Want to get away? And Christian goes, "Huh? You know, now that you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking do want to get away." And I didn't. I booked my ticket that night and. Uh, <laughs> That's fucking I was awesome. out here about a month later. Wow. 
I love it. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been completely wild. I'll, I'll generally what I've done is is the night before I'll plan a place to go. Usually offer recommendations of people, yeah, um, locals, and you know I've I've worked very hard to make sure I don't do the touristy things. I've yet to go to Fisherman's Wharf. I've yet to even see the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. Um, you know I'm not riding streetcars. I'm living by what the locals tell me to uh, where to go. Um, eating where the locals tell me to eat. Okay. And uh, you should do the streetcar though. That's it's pretty fun. And the Golden Gate. Yeah. I'm, I will say. <laughs> you got to do both of those. <laughs> Says the two people who live in the East. Bay. You know, by the uh, time I finish my day up, there's actually there would actually probably be about three Golden Gates in my vision because that's about what I'm seeing. <laughs> 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 so I remember years back, you used to dig some hoppy beers like IPAs and stuff. You still like those? Oh, more than ever. More than ever. More than ever. All right, yeah. you're in the right place. And you found, found a few you like? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, Drake's Hop Stradamus has probably been my favorite so far. Oh, it's okay. just really, really They hoppy. kill it. I don't think I've had that beer yet. I haven't either, no. Wow. This, it's, this sounds good. It's off the hook. Okay. Um, I've had Pliny the Younger um, while here. I mean, there's just, I it, it, it all blends together. I've had so many big hoppy beers. And then, uh, you know, the beers that we had the other night over at the uh, Rare Barrel. Yeah. I mean, just those sours were uh, unbelievable. Killer nice. sours. Yeah. Absolutely nice. unbelievable. Well, I'm glad you're having a good time out here, man. It's good that you came to visit. Oh, yeah, killer, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our game, and we'll keep talking to uh, Crotchrot as we go. Um, it's funny that nobody nobody knew it was Crotchrot, because he introduced himself as Christian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, mean, I can see it now, though. Yes. Right. Awesome. Well, I introduced myself as Tacey. He should have known that he should have come yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. His handle. That's right. Pretty rude, Christian. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, catching me by surprise. <laughs> He's an incognito here. Boo. All right, let's meet Wes in Washington. He's going to play Find the Fake. What's happening, Wes? Yeah, not much. I'm not in Washington. I'm in Oregon. I told Bevo wrong. Oh. This is Blake. You told her wrong? Uh, let's still blame Yeah, no, Bevo, he, he didn't. I didn't do that. He's like, no, I'm on, he, been on hold so long. I'm in, I'm in Oregon, but I'm in Arizona. I walked across a border while I was on hold. It, it was cold. Yeah. Also, like, the clarification matters. I'm on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually on Mars. I'm going to go to Jupiter. Hang on a second. Now let's see how everybody else did. This should be a uh, uh, countryman of yours, Crotchrot. Tony from Orlando. Tony. Where's Blue? Yo. Are you actually from Orlando? Or calling? Yeah. Okay, he is. There we go. <laughs> uh, if you have a daughter, can you name her Don? Because Tony Orlando from Orlando and Don. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I didn't quite catch that one, but that's okay. And nobody did. Don't worry. It was another Orlando joke. Is it the look or the silence that lets you know to stop, JP? I'm, I'm always just curious what happens. Because um, I always give the look. If you don't, no, the look you give you give uh, all sorts of looks. Okay, don't pay attention to. But it's, if if nobody starts reacting within three seconds, yeah. Then I realize there's nothing. There's never going to be anything there. <laughs> right. There's no, yeah. It's the window, and then it closes, you're done. It's like Mel Brooks in High Anxiety. You're just like always falling, falling. <laughs> like that. All right, let's go to uh, Craig in Chicago. Craig, you with us? What's going on, guys? A fellow Chicagoan of yours died today. Good guy. I didn't know him personally or anything, but he made good movies. I think like 60,000 oh, Chicago Ghostbusters dudes? The Ghostbuster guy. What's premise? his name? Ghostbusters. Yeah, he died. Just I mean, I hate to bring up sad news for you, Craig, but whatever. It's too soon. Isn't it like 10 feet of snow in Chicago right now? 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. Yeah, it is. 
It is freaking freezing. It's been the most miserable winter. Like, talk about seasonal depression. It's been absolutely brutal here. Uh, Drinking helps. I just flashed on that scene from Groundhog Day where Bill Murray's standing in the frozen blizzard talking to the cop. I make the weather. (laughs) All right, let's go to Gay Kyle from Washington. Is Is Gay Kyle from Washington at least? It is. Yeah, this is Gay Kyle. No, I'm from Bonerville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get Wisconsin. Kyle. Lots of gay boners. Very different than straight boners. We should have to come why, and drink but... beer in Bonerville. Uh, all they right. kind of like go to the left just a little bit. I see. They just face the other direction. <laughs> you see? You understand that? He's gay Kyle. Or Boner chicken. All right. It's time to play yeah, Find the Fake Kyle. with JP. Now, the topic this week is what, weird uh, beer laws? Yes, that's correct. Beer laws that have been on the books for either ever and ever or are recent or whatever. Uh, but everyone knows there's every a lot of towns and states have uh, just funky, weird beer laws. So how many are you going to read us? I'm going to read four to us. And one is fake. And one is pretend, yes. Okay. And as we did last time, I will let each contestant call out a lifeline. That means you could ask one person in the room, other than JP, of course, uh, what their opinion is. And then you can take it or leave it. The people in the room are Moscow, Tasty, Crotchrot, Bevo, Nate, and myself. So those are your lifelines. Or you can just answer yourself, too. That's fine. Uh... Go ahead and read us the stories, JP. Okay. In Oklahoma, if your beer is more than 4% alcohol, it has to be sold at room temperature. All right. In Maine, it is illegal to let beer freeze outdoors, as this is considered distillation by law. Mm. Okay. Texans may take up to, but not more, than three sips of beer while standing. All right. And last but not least, the city code for Little Rock, Arkansas reads in part, No person shall sound the horn on a vehicle at any place where cold drinks or sandwiches are served after 9 p.m. <laughs> Three of these are real. <laughs> Three of these are real. Quite fun. And God damn it, do I hope the Arkansas one is real. <laughs> I really want that to be real. Uh... uh. Did you? I'm sure that you also went then and found the history of each of the real laws to explain um, I, to us how they came about. Some of them I, I did try. Okay, yeah. um, a lot of them come, you know, they're just uh, uh, you know repeated on the internet, and, and and so they are codes that either have have been on the books or are currently on the books. It's very hard to determine that which are which. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll just go right down the list. Uh, we'll go to Wes in Oregon. Which one's the fake? Could, can you say number two one more time? I didn't hear it very well. Number two one more time. Uh, I believe that was Maine. Yep. Okay. In Maine, it, yeah, yeah. it is illegal to, to let beer freeze outdoors, as this is considered distillation by law. I'm going to say that one. Wes says number two is the fake. All right. Let's go to Tony in Orlando. Tony, what do you think? Well... Number two is the only one that actually sounds like it makes sense, which is why I think it's fake. But I want to hear what uh, Moscow thinks about it. All right, Moscow. I'm saying the Texas one is bogus. Which is... uh, Texans may take up to, but not more than, three sips of beer while standing. It's just three sips? I I don't think they would go by sip. I think they would go by, you know, can or bottle. You think in in Texas you don't sip, you chug? Yeah, you gulp. Like a boss. All right, so you're saying uh, Moscow thinks Texas is the fake. 
Oh, that sounds logic. I'll go with Moscow. All right. Okay. Who's going to ask Crotch Rod for the lifeline? I thought Orlando would, but uh, he didn't. Don told him not to. All right, let's go to Craig in Chicago. Which one's the fake? I got to go with Maine here. Yeah, the frozen, is, is freezing beers considered distillation? That's got your language written all over it, I'm going to say. All <laughs> right, so Craig says number two. And Gay Kyle. What was the, the first one again? I missed the beginning of it. In Oklahoma, if your beer has more than 4% alcohol, it has to be sold at room temperature. Okay, that seems silly. Uh, it's Oklahoma. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, uh, Nate's opinion. All right. I asked oh. Tasty last time, and he fucked me. <laughs> <laughs> that Tasty will tend to do that, yeah. He'll fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Right with your kitchen. If, I, you, if you give him enough time. My initial thought was the 4% ABV one was bullshit. Ooh. Okay. That's what the after hearing it, I'm thinking that uh, you know what, I'm going to go with it. Last time we all took Let's the same try. one. I can fuck you this time. <laughs> What's your reasoning, Nate? Hey, I'm used to getting fucked. So. <laughs> it's Oklahoma. Hey, uh, I love to get fucked by brewcasters. Yeah, it just doesn't sound right. It's just something about it. And I don't know. The main one, maybe two, but I can yeah. see that one actually. And the other ones are just so weird and old school and goofy that yep. But the four percent one, it just sounds like it was written by us. All right, so I, Gay I Kyle's going I'm with... A, I'm going with one. I'm going with Nate. Don't fuck me on this. So I'm torn between number one and number four. Four? One and four? Well, Arkansas, you can't honk your horn when there's cold drinks around. Or sandwiches. Or sandwiches around. After nine. After nine... I mean, that's a trifecta of idiocy. If, if this ever was a law on the books, but but then the the other question is: Is JP clever enough to invent this law? <laughs> it's so weird; it has to be real. And he he, he wouldn't have said the and yeah. sandwiches, would he? No, <laughs> no. That, Actually, sandwiches is what made me think really? JP. Yeah, I thought it would have to be beer related. So the and sandwiches threw. I said no, he didn't. I remember with you on that, tasty. I did say I'm going to start uh, organizing my socks in chronological order. I'm clearly not a level-headed person. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm going to learn about it, more about how weird you are than uh, <laughs> about beer here. All right, we're going to do a brewcaster version. We're each going to guess two. We're going to do a little competition. Moscow, what do you think? Uh, I was going with the, the uh, Texas one. So you're number three. All right, uh, Tasty? Uh, I, I truly believe that 4% uh, in Oklahoma, that, that is actually true. That, that state's crazy. Uh yeah, I, I, I th- it's either two or, or three, uh, the, the, uh, the distillation or uh, the sipping rule. The sips. I have to go with the uh, three sips in Texas. I mean, they, Texas. They, they were drinking like a bottle of whiskey at a time in Texas before <laughs> they had beer laws, probably. So yeah. And that one kind of screams JP too because it's like his, it's his little dig at Texas. He likes to Texas. Under, yes, he likes to fuck with Texas. That's true. It's his little Not dig. Not so much lately, like, though. But, uh, you know, up to three drinks while standing. It's his little dig. Yeah. So that one, uh, okay. Uh, Crotchrot, what do you think? Um, you know, I'm kind of in the air on the 4% and the uh, the main with the distillation. Because, I mean, if you go with the true definition of distillation, it has nothing to do with freezing. Right. So how is that law going to hold up? Okay. Lawmakers aren't known for knowing what the <laughs> hell distillation is. Right, but that's an easy one to beat in court. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I think I'm going to stick with the main in the distillation. Okay, you're going number 2. Yeah. Uh, Nate, I know you 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 gave your vote too. Are you going to stick with number 1? I'm going to stick with number 1. Bevo? I have no idea. Yeah, take this a guess. All yeah. retarded. Yeah. 
<laughs> Which one is the I'm most go likely? With, I'll go with number two. Fake. Number two. Uh, am I really going to... Nobody thinks Arkansas, huh? Nobody thinks that honking a horn with cold drinks and sandwiches after 9 p.m. <laughs> but it's Arkansas. I'm, I'm yeah, taking it. That was like a lawmaker who didn't want to be woken up or some shit. You know, <laughs> so he lived above a, a, yeah. a bar and sandwich exactly. shop. Exactly. All right, this is like 1898 or some shit. No contestant or brewcaster believes that the Arkansas one is Amazing. fake. I'm gonna stick it in there. Yeah, you are. All right, JP, which one's fake? Well, this is a good game because I do have you all misled. Because keep in mind, it's illegal in the U.S. to make icebox. Mm. Right? So just keep that in mind. Yes, it is. Uh, Good news for everybody in Little Rock, Arkansas, who happens to live above a bar in a sandwich shop. (laughs) It is, in fact, illegal (laughs) to sound the horn at any place where cold drinks or sandwiches (laughs) is served after nine pims. After nine pims. Uh huh. I think that goes back to like high school days where you would drive around town (laughs) and you'd see your buddies and you'd honk the horn. Yeah, or control that. They don't congregate. Around A and W or something, probably know. earlier than that, like in the invention yeah, of the yeah. car. Yeah, it wasn't even, there wasn't even a change. I can't yeah. believe Tasty came up with a logical uh, <laughs> reason that this law. Might I would have voted for that law if I was a, <laughs> yeah. a city council. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, um, Did and have cars when Tasty was a teenager. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't say when he was a teenager. Sure, and they had horns on yeah. carriages anyway. It was a little <laughs> hard. Yeah. yeah, after nine o'clock. And uh, everyone in Oklahoma uh, who is worried about the temperature of their beer, uh, just buy things under 4% alcohol, and it will be cold. It does have to be, in fact, sold at room temperature. That means Gay Kyle is out of the running. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Gay Kyle. Out of the closet. Two weeks straight. Just no lube. That's our word. You can't use use the word straight. That's our word. I'd like to make sure you can feel it. It's cool. Thanks for playing, brother. All right, goodbye to Gay Kyle. And also, great news for all you craft beer hipsters in Texas. Ah. You have been breaking the law if you stand around and take more than three sips of beer. It is, in fact, technically illegal to take more than three sips of beer while standing in Texas. That takes Tony out of the running. Sorry, bro. Which means it is technically illegal in Maine to let beer... Or it is legal to let beer freeze outdoors. It's not considered a a breach of the law. So that is the fake one, the main one. Number two. Number two is the fake, which gave uh, Wes and Craig and Crotchrot the win. Yes, sir. Well done, folks. And I thought for sure that would that would get people because it is you can't make an ice beer in this country, and so I figured I, I thought oh everybody would know that in this room yeah so you would you would pass and go to the other ones but apparently not I think you forgot that I the smart know. person left already yeah. oh yeah that's true. Makes a good point I am still here all right <laughs> Wes and Craig send an email to JP at thebrewingnetwork.com along with your shirt size and we'll send you uh, some shirts yeah you will thanks for playing guys thanks. Thanks, guys, dudes. Well done. Later. Yeah. <laughs> Try to sound a little more excited, everybody. <laughs> really, Arkansas? <laughs> honking a sandwich? Honking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sandwiches. What a mess. All right. Do we have a Twitter game uh, result as well, JP? Good job we on Find the Fake. Yeah, that was a great Thank game. Thank you very much. 
Uh, yes, the Twitter game, of course, as you remember, was uh, who can we sue and why? Yes. I suppose whom would I do be remember. more appropriate. Uh, Steve Mayo wrote, uh, we should sue Will Wheaton for stealing Don't Be a Dick from the Brewers Code. He did? Apparently. What? I don't know anything about it, but uh, apparently he likes to say Don't Will Be a Dick. Will Wheaton or Will Wheaton? Will, Will, <laughs> Will, Will Wheaton. Will with one Wheaton. L, because it's, it's just really cool and trendy. Now Got say it. Will. Will. And say Wheaton. 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 <laughs> No, Wheaton. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. I don't get it. That sounds the same to me. You're stupid. It's fine. Uh, Jeff Grainlick writes, uh, we can sue J.P. Surgeon for not finishing the job to make him a lady. <laughs> Man. Oh, I thought have a vagina if he would have yeah. just stopped at not finishing, finishing the, the job, job. Right. it would have been hilarious. He just said throat vagina. <laughs> blarp, blarp. Uh, Scott Williamson wrote, uh, we should sue Sugar Valley Brewer for getting waka, waka, waka on her bear behind stuck in everyone's head. Jamil texted me the other day that it's in his head every no day. Way. Yeah. Really? Which means that Devo's yeah. behind is in Jamil's head every, every day. day. Even Jamil. <laughs> and then Ryan writes, we should sue Sugar Valley Brewer again for just extreme creepiness. Oh. Yeah. That's it. He does excel at That's that. That's a Twitter game. Mm. Guess who I vote for? <laughs> Will. Will Wheaton. Wheaton. Will. Is it a sharper, oh. is it a shorter L? Because there's no, there's not two, there's one. So it would be while. While Wheaton? Just stop talking. Okay. No. <laughs> I think Sugar Valley sent in a new song this week, but I haven't screened it. You guys, who's it about? Should we play an unscreened <laughs> version? Three guesses yes. and the first no, two don't no, count. No. Absolutely. Sugar Valley Raw. Who's it everybody. about? Hang on, let me see. If it's about me, we have to... It's about it. Abby's future behind. Uh, okay, the the, Dude. the email is uh, <laughs> titled, uh, Subject, New Song. Um, Hi, Justin. I'm trying to come up with a new song. Again, for Bevo is the target. Damn it. <laughs> this time... Oh, it's not a song yet. He's asking our advice. This time, it's either Who Yo Baby Daddy or Train Train, Bevo's Been Pulling a Train. <laughs> Do you have any input? <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong on so many levels. I vote train, 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 train. definitely. Yeah, Wait, go is, for it. Is you it guys in are the? So is it in lucky. the? I'm not delicate. Is it in the in the melody of train, train, hush, hush, I, I. Is that what it's going to be? Because it's train, train. No one knows that song. No, no but I don't think that's the name of the song. No. It's hush, hush. Bevo's been pulling a train. I was just trying to think in Sugar oh, okay. Valley Brewer terms. I think oh. there will be some reference to a caboose, probably. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, like uh, 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 riding in the caboose. Yeah. So should I respond that train, train, Bevo's been pulling a train is our suggestion? <sighs> you know. I'll take that Let's as a yes. Let's hear it first because I would like to. You know to, what? Uh, I gained 70 pounds and lost most of Most, not all. Most of it. I have seen his picture. He hasn't. So Who's train, train. should we be talking about? <laughs> you don't want to hear a song about his ass, though. Yeah, I don't want to hear a song no. about him at all. This, is this Hush Hush? See, I hope it's in the rhythm of this. Well, you know, it's, it's not going to be. Because it's, it's creepy even without Sugar Valley. There's no echoes, and he's not, like, on the toilet. Bass riff. Yeah. This is nice bass riff. This is pre-flea, by the way. Yes. When bass riffs were unpopular. Back to the real bass. All right. Takes too long to get to the part I I want. All right, I've responded that Train Train is the way to go. 
We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, we still have to pick a winner, though, don't we? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's your preference, JP? Um. Oh, so apparently I looked up this Wild Wheaton, and he has Don't Be a Dick Day on his birthday. He wants everyone to celebrate Don't Be a Dick on his birthday. All right, let's sue Will Wheaton. Let's not, because I think that's entirely stupid. Uh, let's do Sugar Valley Brew for getting Waka 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 stuck in everyone's head. I don't know. What do you think? I don't no. like it for that. If we're going to sue Sugar Valley, it's going to be for Extreme this. creepiness? Yes. Ryan wins? Yeah. All right. All right, there you go. Extreme creepiness. Hey. Thanks, Ryan. Hey. Is our winner. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Good job. Ryan. All right. Is our work here done? Our work Schwartz here is. Beer. You're going down. What's happening next week? Yeah. Listen, I oh. started cleaning up my brewery yesterday, <laughs> Nate. <laughs> I'm the not sure the mash was left from the last time you did it? No, no, no. I actually cleaned up last time. I mean, my garage is a mess, and so I started getting it organized enough to have a clear and, like, you know, visual working space. Right. Uh, my, my brew system itself is actually in good shape. Um, I got the rest of my gear ready. I Oh, I calibrated my hydrometer. And I had, uh, oh. sorry, I calibrated my refractometer, and oh. I had three hydrometers, and they all read a different thing. Uh, I kept the one that read the right thing. So that's a first for me. I've never done any of those things. I threw away the other two because they were off, because measurement is one of my problems. Uh, right. My next step this week is to calibrate the thermometers in my kettles, because they're all over the place, too. Uh, so listen, I'm gearing up for this losers bracket, got, Nate. <laughs> it'll be a good losers bracket. Yeah. So, uh, have you done a recipe yet? No, I'm no. literally just going to use Jamil Schwartzbeer recipe. Got Why it. would I change a recipe? I mean, I'm just. Why would you fuck with it? Do you huh? know what I mean? It's an award-winning recipe. Doc wants me to use his. Yeah. But, I mean, Jamil's recipe has it's one. It's the, it's in brewing classic styles. That's but true. It's the it's the brewer. Right. Right. That's fine. No, so, no, but I'm, I'm just saying that that's more important. Well, you know, a, a big <coughs> it's question. It's tried and true. It's tried and true. Yeah. Well, a question I have is how many people, because that book has been out and so many people own that book, is how many beers in that competition are going to taste just like yours? Oh, uh, which but it's keeps just you between me and out. me. Oh, it's just, oh, okay. it's just yeah. Justin and me. Okay. So. I, here's what my, my thought process is. Because it's the brewer, I'm just going to go with a standard tried and true recipe right it's a good and idea just try to brew the shit out of it no no i was i was just saying that uh don't take yourself out of the equation oh oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah i thought i thought that one i thought it was too too much roast and too much crystal but now now i'm second thinking it mm. maybe i'll do the same one i don't know we'll see well god i hope it's not because i spent a whole bunch of time describing the style as don't have too much roast yeah so if it ends up that way then i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot you well, he's got a couple in there, and one of them is a little bit on the edge of it, but... Uh, I'll probably consult Jamil. Yeah. I want to ask the listeners if they think I should decoct this thing. Oh. Should I really, should I really try and fuck it up and decoct it? That'd be <laughs> kind of fun. I think you should. Yeah. There's no so. goddamn way in hell I'm going to do that. Your answer should be yes to that. I'm oh, considering yeah. not even doing a starter this time around. I'm <laughs> considering just reducing the areas I can... Just make it real simple. Yeah, I'll throw in like eight vials of yeast. <laughs> I forgot just... to try something new that I can easily fuck up yeah it'd be no fun otherwise so it'll be good though i haven't done one of these in a long time i'm looking forward to it it seems like we're all brewing and by that i mean me and nate are brewing our schwartz beers and moscow and uh, doc we're all brewing around the weekend of the 7th 8th and 9th um is that right moscow you, you plan on doing that with your double ipa yes sir uh which means that 
Five weeks after that, we'll do the double IPA show. And the following week, so six weeks after that, we'll do the Schwartz Beer Show. Got it. Is that enough time for a lager, six weeks? It's close, but it'll work. Yeah, we can do that. Do we want seven weeks? No, six is good. You think six is good? Yeah. Even for mine? (laughs) (laughs) Yours will maybe even excel at that. Who knows? (laughs) Right. We don't want to sit around too long either. Then we'll start to realize all the things we really screwed up. Yeah. Okay. So that's about the timeline. We'll post the dates, and you guys can follow along. Of course, we'll give you updates throughout both teams' brewing process, let you know how things are going and how we did. And The Brewcaster Challenge is officially on. Right? What's next week? Logger it up, buddy. Next week, we will have a few guys from the Maltos Falcons. They are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. Wow. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah, we're in the middle of uh, five shows in a row, so uh, find the edge of your seats. All right, sounds good. Crotchrot, good to see you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thanks good for coming out. Too. Tasty. Thanks, buddy. Sure. Jip, are we done? We're done. Get us out of here. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. A large BN. Thank you to Dr. Charlie Bamforth for coming in and talking about flavor and foam stability. Pick up his new books over at asbcnet.org. More info on Todd and his fundraising beer tour, check him out at ctpoortour.com. JP is trying to be funny over Twitter. Give him his give his ego a much needed boost and follow him at Major Jip. For some good beer insight and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith and Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDowell, Tasty McDean. Production director on the session has been Push Eject. Tonight's show has been produced by Scott Maskowitz. JP's scar was tingling through the entire show, and he thought he should let you know. Your call screener was Bevo, and I don't have anything funny to say about her, nor Justin Crosley, who was your host. Be sure to find the Brew Network on Facebook and Twitter. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. JP's an asshole. Justin's a nice guy. And when